it's always good to remember that making a healthy choice for breakfast is a great start to your day. So Happy Heart Shapes are back in Honey Nut Cheerios for a limited time to remind Americans that living a happy, heart-healthy lifestyle can be fun, easy, and delicious. Honey Nut Cheerios not only taste great, they can help lower your cholesterol as part of a heart-healthy diet. Add a change of heart to your shopping cart and look for Honey Nut Cheerios with Happy Heart Shapes in stores nationwide this February and March. That way, we can let in our good friend Bill WD-40 to lube us up for tonight's show because you always want to slide on into a nice show. You know what I'm saying? And the lubing just helps. All right. Uh, YJ Overlander and Bones and Sandy B, thank you for joining us. Hi, Science Melinda. How are you? Good to have you here. Remember, I will be at UFOCon 2023 in San Francisco in just a few weeks' time. Come join me. Go get your tickets at UFOCon2023.com. This is probably one of the best events that is out there. And you can join us in Las Vegas for the second annual fan party at uh, the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas. Angel K, how are you? And Kurt M, nice to see you. And uh, who else do we got here? Well, we got, uh, that's about it. But yeah, come to Vegas. Come join us. Check the ticker below if you're watching on YouTube. Hi, Sparkles on Facebook. How are you? And uh, yeah, we got like five seconds here. We're going to rock and roll tonight. It's a good one. Here comes the panel. Horns up. Let's rock. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read the newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We got a great panel of UFO experts tonight because it is the month that was in Spaced Out Radio land. We do this show near the end of each month where we check in with a great group of people to come on in and give their expertise on everything that is going on. Now, of course, this past month, he has been, or it has been, really a another UFO month because, well, let's face it, in winter it's kind of hard to go find the cryptids and the ghosts. So we're sticking with the UFO talk. From drones to balloons to UFOs and UAP. Yes, it's been a month of debate. It's been a month of questioning. It's been a month of head-scratching and wondering what truly is going on in the skies above this planet. Joining us tonight 
is a great panel here from the UAP Studies podcast. We got Louis Borges and Jason Gilmet from UFO, uh, the UFO Report. Tim Senor is joining us. Dr. Michael Masters is here as well with just a fantastic uh, hair and beard combination going on. It's uh, it's looking pretty good here, and we may be having more people join in as the night goes on. But gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate it. And let's face it, the big news this month was a couple of weeks ago. Chinese drones, UAP. What was interesting to me through this whole thing that happened was right off the bat when these craft, if we could call them that, were found in our skies, starting with the big weather balloon that that had uh, the school bus size antennas on it. Jason Gilmet from UAP Studies, we'll start with you on this one. What caught me off guard was Everybody was calling it an unidentified object, not a UAP, not a UFO. UFO would have been the second term, but the media, the politicians, the military members were unidentified object. Now, I thought the minute it hit the podium in Washington, D.C., it was all UAP, and yet... They're not even using their own acronym, Jason. That may small, sound like small potatoes, but when it comes to subject matter that we deal with, that's actually a big story. It is. They keep changing the names or they keep changing how uh, or, or what it should be, and it's very confusing because I think that the public would <laughs> like them to stick to one thing. We, we called the podcast UAP Studies in hopes that UAP is going to stick around for a little bit, but who knows? Might have to revamp the name at some point, uh, depending on where they decide to go. Now, uh, Dave, were you referring to the um, the, the spy balloon at first? Is the, that the one you were the talking about? The spy balloon at first is where it started. Yeah, it a bunch of people zoomed in on it and took pictures of it, and you could tell clearly there was some sort of spy balloon or weather balloon or what have you, you know, for the common folk. Uh, I, I just think it's funny that it made it across the country so far, and they just waited till it was in the ocean before they shot it down. Uh, again, it's not unidentified. They knew, and how did they know it was from China so fast? You know what I mean? Like that, that blew me away. Uh, but yeah, no, you're right. They they keep changing the acronyms and then the the wordage for. A UFO UAP. I think if we could stick with that, that would be great. But I, who knows what Washington's going to come up with? And that's really true. Tim Senor from the UFO Report. We have seen this many a time, you know, and you and I have debated it on SOR, uh, you know, when you come on for the UFO Report. But I mean, this was something that we discussed both on the air and uh, away from the subject at how weird it was that all of a sudden that acronym UAP was really nowhere to be found. Only until recently, as the drones and the balloons were shot down and they were taken out, then all of a sudden people started cluing in, well, maybe this is UAP, man. Yeah, and in fact, we even saw UFO dragging the headlines and bringing in more people. So I think that, you know, we're seeing that being used as kind of the blanket topic name for this now. Anything that's in our skies, it's UFO. It's UAP, and even UAP has different meanings now because the A has multiple meanings as well, depending on who you're talking to. And so it's definitely becoming their blanket you know, policy to call everything UFO, UAP. It's all interchangeable now, which is incredibly frustrating, but that was what they were working towards doing because they want it to be the kind of call sign 
for everything in the air. And they would love us to just consider everything up there, either one thing or the other, depending on how the media wants to drive the focus of that particular event. So they want to, you know, still come out publicly and say, hey, this wasn't aliens. And even if the media at that event laughs, they're still saying it. And they said it three times, let's not forget, in that public statement that they made. Um, you know, so it's definitely going to be one of those things we're just going to have to watch out for and see how they continue to use this interchanging name for the same topic. Very true. Dr. Michael Masters, I mean, you're somebody who has been following this subject from more of a scientific level and everything. You know, when you look at the fact that we were seeing UFO reports and unidentified object reports rather than the UAP term that has been kind of brought in abruptly since 2015 into our vocabulary when it comes to UFOs. I mean, are we are we basing things on semantics here? Are, are we making too big of a deal out of this, or is this something that we should be cognizant of? Yeah, no, I don't think we're making too much of a deal about this. It's anytime people start to confuse semantics, I think we need to pay attention to that and pay attention to why potentially why they might be doing that. And I mean, at this point, it's impossible to say we have 70 plus years of obfuscation about this topic. And I think that sort of plays into this where it's more of the same. But at, at the same time, I feel like something's different about this. It's I don't know. It feels different in some way, but it, it definitely we, we should be paying attention to the nomenclature because it's all over the place. And, and yeah, like, like Jason said earlier and, and Tim said just now, like we were on this track and now it's all just a ball of yarn. And, and who's, who's, who's winding that yarn? Who's unwinding it and why? I, I think there's a lot of questions behind that ball of yarn that, that we need to be looking at. What, from someone from an educational standpoint, what are those questions about the semantics that kind of <clears throat> caught your attention? Well, I mean, it's it's who's saying what from what side, because there's, you know, there's a lot of different agencies at play. There's a lot of different individuals at play. And I'll be the first to admit I haven't followed this as closely as a lot of people. But from what I've seen, it is sort of just the same shooting things across the bow and, and who's who's in control here, who's who actually knows something. And it's almost this sort of instance where they're trying to make it seem like nobody knows anything but clearly somebody does and and like jason said yeah like this is obviously a spy balloon how did they know it was a spy balloon from china so quickly they probably knew that ahead of time somebody screwed up by by saying that too fast in a place where and so you can imagine trying to to make this intricate dance with all of these different agencies where some people do know things but they're trying to pretend like they don't and some agencies don't but they're trying to pretend like they do for their own constituents or whatever reason so, yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be a complete nightmare for a while until everybody gets together or they don't because they're not trying to. They're trying to have their waves come together in some deconstructive resonance kind of way. And that's that personally, that's what it seems like to me. 
No, I, I, I can absolutely see that where where that's coming in. And uh, Louis Borges from UAP Studies Podcast, let's bring you in now as well. I mean, the confusion that it can cause something like that, because those who are, are bandwagon jumpers, and there's a lot of them on UFO Twitter, you know, they're all about supporting everything that the government says regarding this topic. They believe that there is a form of disclosure that kind of goes along with that. But like Michael said, and Jason and, and Tim, when when all of a sudden something changes, like the semantics of an acronym, when these were happening, did it did it shock you or bother you at all that that all of a sudden there was a change in names regarding unidentified flying objects? Well, I, I watched for it closely when it first came out because I thought right away they're going to latch onto the UFO clickbait. The media is looking for that, but it quickly just seemed like really misorganized people within the government. I don't think it was intentional. I think it was just they were dealt this hot potato. Nobody used the same language. Nobody seemed to reference Arrow and recent congressional hearings. A lot of the people that were speaking on behalf of the country didn't really seem to be up on what's happening with the UFO world. As much as people like us who aren't in government, we seem to know a heck of a lot more than them. So I think it it showed that this is a multi-layered thing. But I don't really think there is a well-known dominion within the government and defense. Either there is and it's kept quiet for a reason or it really is a bit of a mess. And this is just in the infant stages of this, which I find hard to believe because they've been looking at this for 70 plus years. But I I just thought it was um, just sort of a catastrophe of organization. And, you know, it was kind of cool to be in in the midst of a mini UFO flap. I mean, that's never happened in my lifetime and probably none of ours. Right. So. I think it's good because it got a lot more interest. I know our show has a huge uptick in followers and views and messages. So I think it's good for the subject. I just hope people come into it with a critical mind and kind of believe less because I do think there is some agenda at play. And if they didn't want us to see any of that, they wouldn't. If this was truly national security, it wouldn't be on the news. So, so be a little cautious is kind of what I take out of that. I did my Dave 101 rant the other night about UAP versus UFOs. We're going to get into this that topic a little bit later on. We might even get into it next at once we come back from break at the bottom of the hour. But I mean, what I'm what I'm looking at here is we were ready for UFOs. The public was shocked that UFOs could be flying in our sky. We even have members of the of the military going up at the podium saying we're not sure if this is extraterrestrial alien or ufos wherever these craft came from tim i want to get you back in here i mean because you were following this story very closely and if they knew it was from china and they knew very quickly where these objects were including the ones in canada all right i mean why would they go up to the podium, Tim, in your best estimation, and talk about potential aliens actually being here? Yeah, I think that they are trying to loop in the group Arrow and the potential funding that that organization is actively looking for. So they're trying to source funding for more attention being brought to this topic. And whether it's going to take UFOs and Arrow's interest or whatever they're definitely going to use it. And I hate to say that, but it does always seem like they're just looking for the funding for another project of some sort. And so I do also find that, you know, you briefly 
you know, mentioned how the new listeners were all receiving and the new audience that were brought in by the topic of UFO and the headlines. A lot of that is misdirected anger. In fact, we get a lot of hot uh, heads, if you will, um, talking on this topic that may not understand completely the narrative and get in here and thinking that this is, um, you know, some kind of cover up or they want to know all the details and there really are none. And so you get a lot of anger surrounding some people that may think it's aliens or may not, but I think it's really irrelevant, but they come in wanting those answers and frustrated by the fact that even in this community, we don't have them. Yeah, but where are those answers? I mean, when when you stand up at a podium and you are wearing all of your military bravado on your uniform, which you well deserved, but you're standing up there, Dr. Michael Masters, and saying, we're not sure if this is alien or extraterrestrial, and uh, we're going to have to be very careful about this, when you already knew it was another country that had been doing it. I mean, things like that can cause panic very quickly. Yeah, and, and it's funny because, you know, when I got into this publicly around 2018, 2019, I did an interview with a guy uh, at our, our local news agency, and, and we were talking off camera, and he was like, you know, I think they honestly don't know what it is, and they're afraid to say that. They're afraid of what the pushback will be if they come out and say, look, we have no idea what's going on here. How does that impact the entity that's supposed to be protecting the people for any nation? It totally puts it by the wayside. And, and, you know, I kind of agreed with them at that point. But at the same time, that's exactly what we're seeing now. They're like, well, I don't know. It could be this. It could be that. Obviously, this is different. This is balloons. This isn't aliens. This isn't the thing that's been here for thousands of years. So this little dog and pony show, this little smoke screen that's going up, is completely different than the actual situation. So we need to separate those, and and we have been this entire show. We've been sort of drawing a line between what these stupid balloons are and what the actual UFO phenomenon is, and they're muddying the waters again. And it makes sense why they might want to do that, because it's what they've always done. Like, it's always just a mystery, and we don't know what it is, but we also are in control of it, so don't worry. But now they're kind of backtracking there and saying, well, we don't know. But are we afraid now? Are we afraid of an alien attack? No, because these are stupid balloons. If, if you had, you know, the Tic Tac instance or you had any of these other eyewitness accounts where there is actually something that could kill us easily and eat us and eat our babies, then you would start to ask serious questions and say, well, maybe I should be scared. But we're not we don't have to be scared of this. It almost seems like they're testing the waters to see what level of scaredness we respond to to see what they need to do next. Very true, very true. You know, uh, Jason, I want to bring you in here for a moment because, you know, there was people who were convinced that the invasion of aliens had started. It was all over Twitter that this is UFO. Here we go, everyone. Let's get ready for the little gray dudes with big black eyes to come on in and let's welcome him in to him, maybe invite him out for a golf game and a beer afterwards, you know, and teach him what NHL hockey is all about. You know, I mean, that's kind of the way it was. I mean, people were were pumped up for this, you know, and and yet – 
there wasn't a lot of of critical thinking going on while this whole episode was happening. And, you know, there's a lot of smart people out there following this subject, but the critical thinking really seemed at times to be suspect. Yeah, it goes out the window. I mean, if you're if you're on Twitter and you see the stuff that people come up with and the fighting that's on there, it doesn't take long to realize that there's not many people thinking this through. Um, and, and in the past, I mean, we we had um, what was it, Hell's Gate or something like that uh, organization that drank the Kool Aid and all got a pair of Nike shoes right before they all passed away, like thinking they're going to go on the, the hell the hell bop comment Heaven's yeah. Gate. Heaven, yeah, Heaven, yeah, Heaven's Gate. I said Hell's Gate. You're too that's much a, of a British a Columbian. Here. Yeah, it's that's a, what it's I'm a thinking. Freudian, it's a Freudian slip, probably. Yeah, there, there you know. go. Yeah, um, but yeah, no. I mean, we've always had this this issue with with people, um, you know, religious or even you know the, the fear within ufology is ufology becoming a religion in of itself. Uh, you know, people taking certain things here and there as actual truths, even though we don't have the data for it or can prove it, and uh, that's always a fear. Uh, you know, amongst any believers, uh, myself included, I, I'm worried about, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid myself. Oh, I think we all have to be worried about drinking the Kool-Aid. That is very, <laughs> that is uh, very, very true. You know, but the idea behind it was that aliens were being blamed for this. I mean, when you are blaming something that you don't know about, when you secretly do, that can cause a lot of problems, Louie. That can cause more problems than than answers. And it, it could scare a lot of people. People are hyper-vigilant today. You know, ever since going through what happened with, with the whole pandemic and everything, people are still hyper-vigilant about absolutely everything that is surrounding them, whether it's because of health, whether it's because of the economy and inflation, whether it's because of job stability, People are scared today and all of a sudden drop the alien side of this during the the uh, the shoot downs. I mean, I just looked at that as being very, very irresponsible by some members, even though we knew that a cover up was going on. Yeah, and I think that's typical of the media as well, right? <clears throat> you watch the news, it's never good. You know, we're always seeming to wait for when is the, the happy, warm fuzzies, but that doesn't sell. And I think news now is more digital media, therefore it's keywords and clicks and fancy titles. Like headlines have always been what captured people's attention. That's how you sold newspapers. So how does that work in today's day and age? I can't tell you the last time I read a newspaper, but I read news articles every day. When you stay at a Verbo, you always get the whole home. The whole upstairs, the whole downstairs, and the whole nap room. Only whole vacation homes. Always all yours. Book on the Verbo app. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. So the same things are at play. You know, they want to have these big, booming titles if they can use easily recognizable terms like ufo then that's going to get people to click on their page that's how they sell ads so they're very good at the fear and then coupling that with something like how could they not i mean any good journalist 
is going to say, like, how could I not? Even when we asked Grant Cameron about, you know, trying to put on a show with Lou Elizondo and, and the government, he was like, well, they thought I was going to make a big circus out of it. Of course I was going to make a big circus out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's kind of my thoughts on it. The media does what they do, and people in the government take liberties they shouldn't sometimes. They drop a wrong word. Again, it doesn't look like an organized front. And then they have a field day with it, and what we see is the result. Two minutes to go before we got to go to break at the bottom of the hour. It's the SOR roundtable tonight. And Dr. Michael Masters, will uh, will close it out with you here. In regards to what happened, do you think we opened up the eyes to many people who may not be so much of ufologists or even into this subject that there is actually things going on in the sky that are undeniably not ours? I think it's been... The point of all of this, really since 2017, and New York Times to the Stars Academy, I mean, from then on, name it, we've we've seen this expansion of our awareness of this. And yeah, the media is going to twist it whatever way they want, but whatever goes into the black box of media comes out eventually. And I think whoever is in control of what's actually happening, I think there is an endgame here. They're paying attention to that. They're seeing what little bits they put in, how it comes out, who reacts to it, how do they react to it. And and I've always been a strong proponent of the fact that it's not up to any government. It's not up to any one individual or any one country. I think the people in control of this are the ones who have been coming here for tens of thousands of years. And they're probably doing their best to work with these primitive humans to figure out the best way to disclose this to these people that are just all over the place with everything. Like we have no cohesion whatsoever in the way we think about anything. You bring in media, you bring in politics, you bring in religion. It's it's just gonna make everything even more complicated. So I, I don't know. I think it's I think we're at the beginning stages of something that is actually happening, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird ride. That's right. And you know what? Probably the best evidence of humor coming out of all of this at all happened at the Daytona 500, where the Goodyear blimp was flying over with a message on the side that that. read, don't shoot. That was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant awesome. marketing. Very good. Our panel tonight, Louis Borges and Jason Gilmet from UAP Studies Podcast, Dr. Michael Masters, and from the UFO Report, Tim Senor. When we come back, UFOs versus UAP. Is there now a difference after what happened the last couple of weeks? We'll return on Spaced Out Radio's Roundtable tonight, right after this. Hot damn, that was a quick half hour. Holy cow, did that cruise. Holy cow. Yeah, Michael, I got to say, you look good with the beard, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, thanks. You know, I, I, I do it for functional reasons. It's uh, it's a ski thing. It's a winter thing. It's been cold as balls here for like two months. I know you're getting it, too. Are you, are you from Canada, too? I know Dave is. Yeah, I, we're uh, in uh, just you're basically about-, about an hour away from Vancouver. Yeah, uh, Jason oh, okay. and Louie. Yeah, you've about- had this cold snap, too, yeah. then, right? Jason and Louie are about three hours south of me. Oh, you're all the way up there. Then. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm like almost at the halfway Dang. point. I didn't realize you were that far up. Oh, hey, by the way, just real quick while we're on a yeah. break. Um, 
So I, I think I told you I've been talking to these people that are testing some proprietary anti-gravity detection systems. Yeah. And uh, there, he actually lives on Vancouver Island, one of the people that, cool. that developed this technology. And was I, I told him I had just been – he. I think he reached out to me probably three or four days after I'd just been on with you recently. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, like in this interview, my friend Dave was telling me about these hot spots. He's like that. You know, that's what we're looking for. Just someplace we can go set it up and see if there's any anomalies. And yeah. I don't know. Is it is it cool if I put him in touch with you? Oh, like, yeah, dude. I would, I'd put one up right in my yard. Hell yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it sounds like it's it's pretty cutting edge stuff. Like oh, they've yeah. they've got a ton of investors and a bunch of engineers yeah. and physicists working on this and, and he's just looking for a place to put it where they know things happen. And I'm like, you know, there's a couple places oh, in Montana, yeah. but if you're right there, maybe start with that. Yeah. And yeah, put yeah, move totally. From there. Totally, man. I would I well, would yeah, love he's super that. he's a super cool guy. He's an engineer, he's a, a bush pilot, he flies all around. That area. Uh, I would like to put it up at my at my weird spot, man. Like Jason, you and Louie got to come up here for a weekend and and check out this weird spot, man. It is absolutely, yeah, that'd be cool. Honestly, this this spot, I think, if I'm correct, this spot this year, once we get out there, once we can get out there, which will probably be the end of April. Is I I just have a feeling it's gonna it's gonna be nuts out there this year, just nuts, and uh, oh god I, I I it's weird I get geeked out to go sit in the forest in the middle of the night <laughs> at this place yeah as long as there's not mosquitoes yeah, I'm good. good yeah oh there will be mosquitoes <laughs> until I get uh, eaten alive oh, they love me oh me too bud me too yeah. uh, wait until August once the mosquitoes die off. Yeah, August is uh, kind of the um, um, is kind of the uh, uh, area of where it was. Uh, Arthur in the in the chat room, uh, the president of the United States confirmed that the objects all came from China and many others uh, uh, through that. And it is not a a portion uh, or a declaration of war because it's one of the things that's been going on the last 60, 70 years is countries send spy balloons over every territory. The Americans are doing it right now over Asia, over Europe, over South America. Every country that has a spy agency does it. It's just one of those things we do, and sometimes you get caught and sometimes you don't. This one just ended up being a little bit more crazy because civilians caught it. You know what I wondered recently, too, and, and I'm glad we're having this conversation off air because it's kind of a military-industrial complex thing, but we haven't had a war for a while, and there's a lot of uh, private industry that makes very expensive missiles and bombs that need to be used for them to keep making them. Yes. I Why would... didn't they just shoot a bullet at it? They used a missile. Well, a very expensive missile. The, you know? But if you listen to our dude, random guy, he had a good reason. The AIM nine X missile that was used on all of these has number one has to be fired by by a a Gen five jet, which is why the F sixteen uh, screwed up and had to fire two missiles over Lake Huron. 
but he stated, and Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, that with the AIM-9X missile, they can actually control the amount of explosion that happens to save, to have a better chance of saving the debris uh, when it hits the ground. And when it hit in Alaska and the Yukon, well, snow isn't hard. It's soft. So there was a better chance of them recovering it uh, intact than it would have been uh, if they hadn't used that missile. So have they recovered any of these things? Uh, well, on the record, probably not. Yeah, but they're declaring that it's from yeah. China. Uh, one like they, they say we don't know what it is, but... One second. Thank you, Blue Cruise, Louie Times 2, D. Cohen, and Jenny for the Super Chats. Here we go. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. It's roundtable night. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott, sitting at headquarters here in central British Columbia, waiting for the snow to fall again. Yeah, that'll be about four feet here over the last week and a half. That'll be nice. Very, very nice. But nonetheless, we're still going to be talking some UFOs tonight on the show. We want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, you can check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here's our panel for tonight. We have Dr. Michael Masters with us from the UAP Studies Podcast, Louis Borges and Jason Gilmet, and from the UFO Report, Tim Senor. UFOs versus UAP. Now, I'm an old school guy. I like the term UFO. I do. It's comfortable. It rolls off the tongue nicely rather than something that Hillary Clinton uh, claimed at UAP. Remember that on the late night talk show? We call it UAP now. We're not supposed to call it UFO. Anyways, great debate because of what happened over the last few weeks and the fact that UAP... With weather starting to warm up, it's time to update your outdoor space with Lowe's. Right now, start prepping with lawn essentials like fertilizer. Get Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed Fertilizer starting at just $32.48. And tackle outdoor cleaning with powerful electric pressure washers starting at just $99. Visit us in-store or online to get a head start on your spring projects today. Lowe's knows home improvement. Valid 223-38 while supplies last. Selection varies by location. With weather starting to warm up, it's time to update your outdoor space with Lowe's. Right now, start prepping with lawn essentials like fertilizer. Get Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed Fertilizer starting at just $32.48. And tackle outdoor cleaning with powerful electric pressure washers starting at just $99. Visit us in-store or online to get a head start on your spring projects today. Lowe's knows home improvement. Valid 223-38 while supplies last. Selection varies by location. He was very rarely mentioned. But I started thinking about this after a quick line from Lou Elizondo, who put out a statement, basically saying that this situation that happened with these drones and balloons 
was the reason why he left ATIP, because the government and the agencies weren't taking UAP seriously. So I started thinking about this, and Tim and I were talking aloud about this. And Tim, maybe I'll start with you on this one, if you don't mind. You know, we started looking into this thinking, hold on a second here, Louis. Not this Louis, but Lou Elizondo. You are defining a moment of a real difference between UAP being human-made and UFOs. Tim, we got into it quite a bit this past week. What do you think? Well, we did. And honestly, it's something that I kind of saw a while ago and I saw you struggling against. And the concept is that there is a difference between UFO and UAP. And, you know, specifically that UFO is historically, um, we have a lot of data from as far back in, you know, the early 30s, 40s, Roswell, that sort of thing. Um, And so historically, we have a lot of UFO information. UAP is one of these things that's come around more recently because now we're starting to notice that we can actually get a little research and data on these things, but it's not actually all necessarily from another planet or, you know, extraterrestrial or or anything other than human. Um, And so potentially we're grouping UAP with phenomenon that could be earth based or mundane in some way it's not excluding et from you know this possibility in uap but we're now grouping these other things in there and that can also be balloons and potentially drones and some of the newer terms that we've heard of the things that are absolutely flying in our skies and so we have this new term of uap and we have to weed out the true ufo um, and we'll call ufo simply that more specific historical use of the word, which really circles in on alien. And when we see the media using UFO, the inference is alien. When we see UAP in the headlines, the inference is balloons and something mundane. And so neither is excluding either, but this is how we're seeing it's separated and it's the way that Elizondo is doing it. It's the way we need to just, you know, go into it, kicking and stream screaming if you like, but it is kind of the reality of it. And it does actually help because what we're seeing is the truth of UFO now floating to the surface. And at some point we're going to be like, yeah, UFO is absolutely that gray area in UAP that we need to address at some point. Like, yes, we need to deal with these realities of objects and balloons, but We also need to deal with this other gray reality, which is UFO and alien potential. Louis Borges, part of the UAP Studies podcast with Jason Gilmet. Louis, I mean, do you see a definition between the two after what we've seen the last couple of weeks? Absolutely. I've said this emphatically because we do get some heat. People say, oh, it's not UAP. Why would you name your show that? And a lot of old school guys. But a UFO is an unidentified flying object. UAP... Although I like it, its invention because it took away some of that stigma. But UAP was an unidentified aerial phenomenon, which has now been changed to unidentified anomalous phenomenon. So if you see some type of an energy or like a portal or even like a ghost or some kind of entity, that's not an unidentified flying object. So you can't use UFO for everything. 
but unidentified anomalous phenomena. That encompasses just about everything. Everything spooky, everything woo fits in UAP. And they've even, like I said, retooled UAP a second time to make it more inclusive. So I like the fact that it doesn't have the stigma of UFO. We mentioned earlier, media jumped all over the word UFO, not in a good way. So I think it was time for a new word. Yes, they you know generally speak about the same thing if we're talking about craft. So to Tim's point, yeah, UFO should be a subset of UAP. But UAP should encompass everything that is anomalous. So that's my opinion on that. But that would assume that the government is looking after anomalous objects such as cryptids, such as ghosts. We know they were doing that at Skinwalker Ranch and maybe other places, but... You know, that's where we would be getting into that if they were actually studying that, which we do not know or can, or could confirm. And I will argue with that because I think that, uh, you know, your suits are way too expensive, Louis, to be to be, uh, you know, pushing a, uh, a low budget UFO uh, acronym over that high end UAP stuff that you're doing, buddy. But I, you know what? It's a more encompassing term. It's not always just silver discs in the sky. You know, how do you explain the hitchhiker effect as part of UFO phenomenon? I consider that part yeah. of UAP phenomenon. So I think it does encompass more. And uh, we, we do work hard on our suits, and I appreciate you noticing. That's very important. <laughs> Dr. Michael Masters dresses more like I do, you know, ready to go, uh, you know, chase down a moose at any time. You know, you always go. Dude, be- I'm all over the place, man. I, I wore a suit yesterday on a, a, a podcast interview. I just, I, it's whatever I'm feeling at any given time, man. I feel, I feel Louie too. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> you guys in your suits. Hey, I'll tell you what though. What, what I think, I, I agree. Like we need a new term there. It's a, it's a cliche talking point UFOs. And, and in my first book, I called them IFOs, which I actually completely forgot about until recently. I was just trying to make that distinction. So we didn't have that knee jerk reaction. But at the same time, we need to get rid of the U because Neil deGrasse Tyson is obsessed with the U in unidentified anything, flying objects, aerial phenomenon, whatever. And he's out there in the media just saying that same thing over and over and over. And that's what gets out to most people is him because he is a pop culture icon of, of science and people turn to him even though he has no information no knowledge about ufos whatsoever they're like oh you're a physicist come on our show and explain this and he says the same thing the same just belabored talking point about how they're unidentified we don't know what they are so i think yeah we need to separate them we need to have the craft that have been here for tens of thousands of years that have occupants that are intelligently controlling them that look a lot like us Let's call those one thing. And then all the other shit, I'm sorry, all the other stuff, the poop, let's call that something else. Let's call that the thing that is unidentified. That's the balloon or that's the drone or that's the thing we don't yet understand. But we need to separate those and talk about the thing that's been here, the aliens, the ETs, as something different. We need our own word for it that they can't bastardize in this way. That's 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 my opinion. I'm kind of angry about it. Sorry. Oh, no, I, the emotion is great. I, and I and I believe that, you know, we do have to define something here, Jason Gilmette. You know, uh, the idea behind it, though, was, I guess, to me, when this whole started, this whole UAP thing started with the To The Stars Academy, when they came out and everybody was UAP, 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 you know, 
it felt to me that UAP was a very much a government term. And when I look at the term, to me, it tells me there is a narrative going on. This is why I like UFO for this subject, because it's been around for 50, 60 years. It's been something that is... It, people can recognize whether it's whether it's somebody who's never studied this subject before or somebody who is an ET contactee UFO you automatically know what what they're talking about and when Elizondo released that statement that's what really really convinced me that UAP were nothing more than man-made objects because it also lines up with the potential threat narrative that we've been hearing about. And yet we had the Canadian government just a couple months ago, and you being Canadian, uh, myself being Canadian, you know, it's something we pay attention to, where you had the Department of National Defense come out and state there is no threat narrative in Canadian airspace with unidentified aerial phenomena. So to me, it was all lining up that they must be talking about man-made craft. This must be what Lou Elizondo was stating all along, that UAP are not alien. They're, in fact, from here. Your thoughts? Well, it's far possible. I mean, biggest problem that we know about the United States and the history with UAP UFO is that they do have crafts that they recovered crafts. I mean, if you go back to 1989, when Bob Lazar said that the U.S. government had nine in their possession, and since then, Louis and I have interviewed a few people that, you know, even uh, James Fox, who talks about the Virginia case and the fact that it was Americans that showed up, grabbed the two entities that were there, and then took off. It Was it like a, a, was a Hercules airplane or something like that? Like, it was a huge plane, huge operation. The right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. There's some people within these clandestine organizations that know exactly what's going on, or at least know more about what's going on than the own government. And there's people, like you mentioned before, that have high-ranking positions. They're in a need-to-know position. And yet when they come down to investigating uh, you know, UAPs, UFOs, or whatever you want to call it these days, they're blocked. Like, there's no... With weather starting to warm up, it's time to update your outdoor space with Lowe's. Right now, start prepping with lawn essentials like fertilizer. Get Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed Fertilizer starting at just $32.48. And tackle outdoor cleaning with powerful electric pressure washers starting at just $99. Visit us in-store or online to get a head start on your spring projects today. Lowe's knows home improvement. Valid 223-38 while supplies last. Selection varies by location. With weather starting to warm up, it's time to update your outdoor space with Lowe's. Right now, start prepping with lawn essentials like fertilizer. Get Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed Fertilizer starting at just $32.48. And tackle outdoor cleaning with powerful electric pressure washers starting at just $99. Visit us in-store or online to get a head start on your spring projects today. Lowe's knows home improvement. Valid 223-38 while supplies last. Selection varies by location. Access to it. We all know, everybody here on this panel, that UFO and UAP encompasses a lot more than just a craft in the sky. It's cattle mutilation, abduction phenomenon, uh, crop circles. Like There's a bunch of different things and layers that come with UAPs. Plus, they're in the water, for crying out loud. Now they have their own term for when they're in the water. Was it unidentified submerged object or something like that? Uh, 
we have one word to describe it and we do have to pick one it's either ufo or uap but it won't describe the actual phenomenon and we don't have a word for that yet i like the idea of calling it unidentified alien problem which you know uap but I, you know we, we don't know i, I mean i'd like to have okay. a, one word that would cover everything but we just don't have that yet no and that is very true we don't have that word but the, the other thing too is it's really brought a a proponent of people staring up at the sky now and I think that's important that that civilians, people who have never been interested in this topic, are actually looking at the sky above now, uh, Dr. Michael Masters, and really trying to figure out what is going on. I mean, it is in the end, it's it has brought attention. It has brought people wondering. It has brought positive coverage to this entire uh, phenomena. But on the flip side, the way the media works now is... President Biden comes in, reads that it's a bunch of Chinese companies that sent over their their uh, slim pickings, maybe one American balloon uh, science project, you know, outside of the first Chinese balloon, and subject is over. People are now moved on to whatever's offending them next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I like to try to think of it from the other side, like, Imagine trying to interact with humans for literally tens of thousands of years and then suddenly come to the point where you have to just tell everybody what you've been doing. Because, again, I don't think it's governments that are in control of this. I think they're the ones that have to do it, at least early on. And what we're seeing is a bunch of babies flapping around their legs and arms, fighting with each other over a pacifier and calling it whatever they can to try to appease whoever they need to appease. But they're not the ones that have a vested interest in this. The ones that are trying to do this and make it cohesive are the ones that have been doing it this entire time. And and so I think what we're seeing is this disconnect, not necessarily between the Navy and the CIA and the Air Force who probably have been working with them longer than anybody else but between the beans themselves and people in this time and and i think it's this huge disconnect where it's really hard because they're trying to work together but they're just so far apart and and the context of their existence and the way they understand reality and consciousness i i just think it's it's a really difficult thing it's hard to circle that square, and, and I think they're doing their best. I'll give them a pass for a little while, um, but at some point, it's just, I don't know. It's been embarrassing so far. What, what's, been, what's been embarrassing about it? The, the, the way it's presented to the public, the public reaction, the public is embarrassing. The public is embarrassing. The fact that this has been on our radar for so long and we ignore it, this is one of the biggest questions in the history of humanity, and we've been ignoring it as the human population. That's embarrassing for us, first and foremost. And then to try to have the media, who's all over the place. We're so polarized within this nation, within your nation, within every nation. We're so polarized, trying to figure out how we do this thing when we're so focused on this thing or that thing or whatever is in the media at any given time. It's 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 all embarrassing from the bottom up as far as our civilization goes, 
Can you imagine being looking at it from the top down? How sad that must be for them. I've never looked at it that way. Never looked at it that way. But can we blame the politics on that? The military on that? Mm-mm. Who do we, is there blame? There, I don't think there's one individual or entity to blame. I think it's the entire situation. And maybe it's too soon. Maybe we weren't ready yet. Like, yeah, it seems like it. Nobody's killing each other because there's weather balloons in the sky that we're shooting down. We're, we're clearly ready for this information, but we're not ready as a civilization to embrace the reality of something that maybe is much more complex. And I think what we're seeing now is just that that little, you know, when you're reading your book and you put that little bend in the edge of it you monster. to mark where you are. Monster. Yeah, I think that's Horrible. where we are. We're just We're just starting to like mark our stage in time for this to start to become something else but it it's going to be it's going to be ridiculous for a while and it and it is now and i think it will be for some time to come I gotta, that's just my opinion i got to agree with jason there i mean as a professor if you're bending the the pages of your books that is monstrous that is completely monstrous. There. <laughs> I I also have breakfast for dinner, so we could have a debate about that if you'd like. Oh, um, just saying. How did this guy? We get do the things panel? differently in academia, man. It's not just about bending pages of books. Somebody breakfast tell me how is always appropriate. Somebody tell me how this guy got on the panel here. I have no idea. But uh, Tim, yeah, I don't know. I. I think Jason said something, and I was like, can I come? And he was like, yes, you should come and call Dave out on breakfast for dinner. So, oh, disgusting. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> I just had a hospital food dinner tonight. Uh, my my mother-in-law comes over, and and she doesn't cook with any spice whatsoever. Oof. And literally, I had hospital food for dinner tonight, and... Uh, when the mother-in-law wasn't looking, I dumped the uh, the turkey onto my my partner's plate, and I'm like, "You you you eat that." She looked at me. I gave her the sour face and went into the fridge to grab the salad. Oh, it's pretty bad when you're you're at that point where you're like, "I prefer a salad over a turkey." Well, salad. I'm trying to yeah. lose weight here too. <laughs> I'm trying to lose weight here, so you know, I mean, I think it's working, man. You're looking good, honestly. I'm trying. I'm trying, you know, I got Tim Senor as an inspiration here. So, I mean, if I can look like half Howie Mandel, I'd be great. Right? <laughs> right? So, uh, let's. we got about four minutes to go here before we got to go to break here. Uh, Tim, you and I have had numerous conversations about this, both on and off the air, regarding UAP, UFO, and the politicizing of it all. You know, with the other terms that we see coming in and still a great debate of what they are, do we see movement on the UAP UFO front as more of a narrative or do we see it more as just a crossing of the acronyms? Right. Uh, The quick answer is it's absolutely a narrative. And to show you, um, in Lou Elizondo's recent statement, just in his quote, um, he's talking about the recently publicized incursions over our sovereign airspace as a reminder of what, and this is his quote, what I have been saying for years and the primary reason I resigned from my position as director from the Pentagon's Office for Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. 
And so we understand, right, that this is part of their terminology, the word threat, and the fact that that is part of the key to getting this forward. Like we are looking aggressively for funding. And let's also consider the fact that we've got Senator Rubio and Senator Gillibrand and other people in in Congress that are also pushing for this and looking for more funding for programs like Arrow that are looking into UAP. And also in the origination of this concept, this was really all about the threat to pilot safety and the situational awareness and educating pilots about what's up in the air. It was never really about UFO. So the fact is there's absolutely an itinerary for this program. And the fact when Elizondo would even be asked directly about UFO, it did seem off topic for him. Let's consider that for a moment. It may be a passion project for him and he may have information on it, but obviously his whole Tour de Force has all about been about getting the awareness of what's up there and the keeping it safe for our pilots. And that's why you keep hearing threat, because it is potentially a threat to pilots and aircraft. Uh, and, and I think that's smart. Would anybody like, with 90 seconds to go, anybody like to respond to that? Well, yeah, I'll uh, just chime in as a Canadian looking down on it from our, our you know, your northern partners, but... Let's just face it. The U.S. owns the war machine. They make the tanks, planes, guns. I'm not saying with any malice, but I've heard it and I've heard it discussed that you can't really get the government to take anything serious or throw any real money at it unless there's some aspect of military. So there are some people that are letting that sort of attachment go because at least it's getting further along than it has for decades prior. I've heard that from a few people and I thought that's fairly interesting. So it may not be an intentional you know, threat sell, but they know if it's going to pass the paperwork, it's going to have to have something serious enough to to garner this kind of attention to it. And maybe that's the way they're doing it. Could be Jason. Yeah, I was going to say that in the uh, report that uh, that we just got from uh, that special branch or whatever that Congress put together, uh, which wasn't much in the report, but he said specifically that there had been no collision. or With weather starting to warm up, it's time to update your outdoor space with Lowe's. Right now, start prepping with lawn essentials like fertilizer. Get Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed Fertilizer starting at just $32.48. And tackle outdoor cleaning with powerful electric pressure washers starting at just $99. Visit us in-store or online to get a head start on your spring projects today. Lowe's knows home improvement. Valid 223 to 3-8 while supplies last. Selection varies by location. With weather starting to warm up, it's time to update your outdoor space with Lowe's. Right now, start prepping with lawn essentials like fertilizer. Get Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed Fertilizer starting at just $32.48. And tackle outdoor cleaning with powerful electric pressure washers starting at just $99. Visit us in-store or online to get a head start on your spring projects today. Lowe's knows home improvement. Valid 223 to 3-8 while supplies last. Selection varies by location no accidents with UAPs, UFOs, and airplanes. And all of a sudden, we're freaking out and we're shooting everything down. In the middle of nowhere, Alaska, and, you know, Northern Territories. I mean, like, literally nowhere land. Uh, I don't know who's flying drones or or balloons in that spot of the world, but I I just think there's been this overreaction on on the part of, uh, you know, NORAD to shoot them all down, so... Well, yeah, I, ha- I, ha- I was just going to say have that. A, I have a quick answer for you while we go to break. 
Let's blame the polar bears. Because there ain't no humans up there, so we got to blame the polar bears for these drone incursions. Spaced Out Radio's SOR Roundtable, Michael Masters, Tim Senor, Jason Gilman, and Louis Borges continues with hour number two right after this. Stay tuned. We is clear. We's good. Is it two or three hours tonight for us, Dave? Three. Well, We're two more now. Show. Okay. Two more now. Okay. <clears throat> I'll be right back, guys. Timmy, take it away with that love. That's a nice shirt, actually, Tim. I That's should get something really to drink. Nice Hang on two seconds. I'll be back. You like you're liking this? Shirt. There's no pocket. That's okay. It's better than the <laughs> faux pocket you had on the other night. Exactly the the lying shirt. Oh, unbelievable. That is, honestly, that is a nice shirt. I think that nice one, one be, would be on Kira's approved list for Dave in a double XL. Oh, but I'll have to go see if I can find you one. Yeah, that might be a Kira approved shirt. Kira, can you please uh, look at Tim's shirt and would I get a thumbs up for that? Is that short sleeve too? Oh baby! Oh god! If you can find <laughs> me, if you can find me a double XL, I'd be happy with that. Hey, Vash the Impaler. I'm on it, my friend. Yeah, I like that shirt. We can be twins. Uh, just to prove, Kira is has says yes, it's approved. Oh well, there you go. All yes. right, double So X if you can find me one of those uh, and bring it to Vegas, that'd be great. I'll pay you there sure, when buddy. I get there. I love how everyone dipped out. Oh, everybody <laughs> dips out. I'm dipping out right everyone now. Everyone dipped out. Right I don't back. actually have chat up, so it's like uh, it would be a one-sided conversation right now. Okay, you take the one-sided conversation. I'll be right back. Bollocks. Ah, of course. I have nothing for you. <laughs> I'm attempting to bring up chat, y'all. So let's watch Tim struggling with technology. Um, my excuse is my internet. If you hear, can hear screeching, that's my daughter on her Oculus. And uh, she's, yeah, into it. Wow, slow internet here. So sorry. So let's see. Who's going to Vegas? Everyone, throw it up in the chat. Here we go. Very slow. Here we go. Put anything in caps that you guys want me to uh, talk about. Wow. This is so slow. It's embarrassing. I still can't actually read it. There we go. All right. Cool, cool. So you guys were asking about... Um, mm-hmm. So there are a lot of incursions that don't get reported. And that is absolutely true. Um, yeah, I have no comments on that, unfortunately. You guys are funny. Let's see what we got here. USG called them objects because to say they shot down hobby Pico balloons would be too embarrassing for them. Yeah, you're absolutely right, potentially, if that's what that was. Mm-hmm. And actually, let's see. I do have some information I can bring to you guys. 
Yeah. NASA actually came out with a a Q&A section for their UAP office. And so they actually were answering questions. And NASA will be officially referring to UAP as unidentified anomalous phenomenon. And also they were asking why is NASA even involved in studying UAP? And they're saying that uh, the nature of science is to better understand the unknown, better the language of scientists is data, and the limited number of high-quality observations of UAP currently makes it impossible to draw scientific conclusions about the nature of such events. So without access to extensive set of data, it's nearly impossible to verify or explain any observation. Thus, the focus of the study is to inform NASA what possible data could be collected in the future to shed light on UAP. NASA is commissioning the UAP Independent Study Team to examine UAP from a scientific perspective with a focus on how NASA can use data and the tools of science to move our understanding forward. It's a very generic answer, and I think we've even heard it before. But uh, the third one, uh, and this, so this is Q&A with NASA on their UAP office. Um, the third question was, when will the independent studies report be released to the public? And they're promising the report to be released in the mid-2023. Uh, and they're asking, will this be a National Academy study? And the answer is no, it's not an Academy study. The fifth question was, what is the difference between an independent study versus an independent <laughs> review board? Because NASA has done review boards in the past, and they go into explanation of that, and that um, there is scientific means in securing a council. And that is the big difference. Welcome back, gentlemen. All right. Good job, Timmy. Thank you for covering us there. A little NASA inside. Uh, we want to say yeah, thank say thank you to Jeff D Cohen, Jenny Blue Cruz, and Louis Times too for the super chats. Uh, this is the roundtable tonight, and uh, we got a lot more action coming up from our great panel here uh, coming up in about ten seconds. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the woo, everyone. Enjoy it because here it comes right now. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for tuning us in wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Habergion. Habergion is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a 
plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. The SOR Roundtable continues tonight, looking back at the month that was, especially in the UFO world. We have Dr. Michael Masters, Louis Borges, and Jason Gilmet from the UAP Studies Podcast, and from our own UFO report, Tim Senor is with us. Gentlemen, we are going to get into a topic here about sightings being up within the UFO media. Now, Jason, I want to start with you on this one, because you are a member of MUFON Canada, who takes a lot of UFO reports in the lower mainland of British Columbia and across the province. I mean, uh, Chris Rutkowski, famed UFO researcher and statistician, has come out saying that around Canada, the sightings are up at least 7%. We know the sightings are up, according to MUFON, in the United States, around 10 to 15% because of what's gone on, especially the last couple of weeks. The way people are starting to pay attention to this subject, Jason, I mean, I think it's great. I really do. I have zero complaints about this whatsoever. And the fact that people are actually starting to file their reports, I think, is excellent as well. Your thoughts on this? Yeah, and keep in mind that, you know, for everybody that files a report, there's, you know, 10 other people that's seen the same thing and they won't file the report. So you got to look at it that way. And the fact is with MUFON, especially when you're going uh, through their reporting phase, it's quite extensive. Like you got to really mean it when you're, you know, submitting something to MUFON. And uh, yeah, no, the fact that people are, you know, we have the slogan, are you paying attention? It really, that's, that's the point of this whole phenomenon. You know, are we paying attention? And when people start looking up the sky, they got more interest into it. I'll give you a story. Um, This week, there was a gentleman that came into uh, my work where I work, and I had to go fuel up his truck at the local gas station. I work in the car industry. And uh, basically, while he's fueling up, I just ask him what he does for a living. He says, I'm a a tugboat captain. So, oh, cool. Like, With weather starting to warm up, it's time to update your outdoor space with Lowe's. Right now, start prepping with lawn essentials like fertilizer. Get Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed Fertilizer starting at just $32.48. And tackle outdoor cleaning with powerful electric pressure washers starting at just $99. Visit us in-store or online to get a head start on your spring projects today. Lowe's knows home improvement. Valid 223-38 while supplies last. Selection varies by location. With weather starting to warm up, it's time to update your outdoor space with Lowe's. Right now, start prepping with lawn essentials like fertilizer. Get Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed Fertilizer starting at just $32.48. And tackle outdoor cleaning with powerful electric pressure washers starting at just $99. Visit us in-store or online to get a head start on your spring projects today. Lowe's knows home improvement. Valid 223-38 while supplies last. Selection varies by location. You know, where are you working from? We go also between Victoria and Vancouver. I'm like, cool. So let me ask you, you ever see any strange lights in the sky? And he just turns around and he looks at me and the hair on his arms stood up. And he goes, that is so freaky that you ask me that. I see them all the time. I got tons of stuff in my phone. So I give him my card and he sends me a bunch of stuff this week. Not even, uh, you know, a day goes by. I walk back into work. And one of my coworkers introduces me to this older gentleman at 65. 
And uh, the gentleman introduces himself and he says, I heard that you have a, a podcast and interest in UFOs. I said, yes, I do. He goes, my dad worked for NORAD and he's seen some stuff. I'm like, oh, really? So he didn't go into full details, but uh, you can tell that there's a, an interest there. And somebody mentioned earlier in the comments, does Canada have UFOs? Well, boy, do we ever. Like, we, we get them a lot. It's just it's not as uh, populated as the United States. So there's a lot of areas that are not covered, and there's people that won't report it if they're not there, obviously. But along the border of British Columbia and Washington State, there is tons of activity, uh, especially in the Fraser Valley where we're located. It's just there's always something happening here. And even in your neck of the woods, Dave, which you're about three hours away from us, uh, there's tons of activity there as well. So I think people are paying more attention now and, and submitting more uh, of their sightings because they're noticing things. I guess, uh, Louis, as we bring you in here, going on what Jason said, this is good news because people now are not as fearful about the the being made fun of or what are my peers going to say about this subject. I mean, the fact that more people are jumping on board, it's not big numbers, but it's numbers nonetheless that are trending upward that people are all of a sudden saying, yeah, I've seen something in the sky. I want to know what, what I saw, and I might as well go to groups like MUFON or MUFON Canada or New Fork or or whoever that group may be to try and find out what this study continues and, and what is being learned. Maybe there are other people out there that are seeing what I'm seeing as well. Yeah. I think people need that catalyst. They need somebody to ask them about it. Like Jason mentioned, he said one thing to a guy and he's all in. And we interviewed uh, Mindy Toddfest a couple of weeks ago and uh, she was on an ancient aliens episode, just talking about MUFON and uh, I don't remember if this was pre-balloon or it might have just started, but nonetheless, they saw a huge uptick uh, just because of that. So I don't think it's necessarily because of the recent news that we've had. I think people are coming more to the plate. It's becoming less of a, of a stigma to talk about it. Uh, and when they see things on TV, they may realize, hey, I'm not the only one that saw that. And they kind of feel safe that at least I have a name of somebody I can search and contact. So um, I think it's just a matter of the catalyst to get it out. But I don't think it's just because of the recent events. I, I think this has been a growing thing for years, and all of our shows are a testament to that. If there wasn't an interest, we wouldn't have any viewers. So this has been growing for since Roswell, as far as I can tell. Doctor, and I, I should mention yeah, also, no, Dave, just... that uh, with MUFON, you can actually submit cases that took place a long time ago. So there's actually, like, you know, you can go back to, you know, the 1990s when you had a sighting. So some of these cases that are coming in are actually old sightings that people have had or experiences that people have had as well. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're new. It's just more people are reporting something that happened to them that they've kept quiet for a long time. So that's getting thrown into the mix as well. Dr. Michael Masters, we bring you in here. I, I guess when it comes to the public and people actually starting to realize that, you know, they are seeing things and it's okay to talk about them, are we seeing a removal of the stigma that has gone on with people who have had UFO encounters or sightings? Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that whatsoever. I mean, it, and, and I like to point out that the first one, was over Billings, Montana, in the state that I live in. The very first media coverage of this was in, in Montana. And, 
And the local news here has been blowing up ever since. Everybody's looking at this guy now. Everybody is looking up and, and wanting to see that thing because they're all interested in it. Even though it's it's not the thing that we're all interested in, the people in this circle, for reasons that go much deeper than that, it's still cool that it's there. And I think, yeah, you hit it on the head there, the stigma. The stigma is going away the more we talk about this. And I think that's another reason that this is being put out in whatever form, UAP, UFO, UA, whatever, it is an element of fear. People are a little scared when they're seeing UFOs and the fact that our government doesn't know what some of these objects are. And I think it draws a lot of concern for some people. So it may address why we're seeing an uptick in people looking up is because they're like out there with their phones kind of curious. Like maybe I can see what these you know, reports are. And I think along with that, um, you know, we're also, and I saw a great question in the chat um, earlier when I had the chat up, you know, the, the why now of this is very interesting because as we all know, they wouldn't have addressed that original Chinese balloon if it hadn't been reported by the public. And again, that original public report was a UFO report. And so that drove the media to figure it out. And then once we realized what it was, it suddenly had to be taken care of. And then we saw all these other things taken down. And another great comment in your chat was, where's the evidence? Where's the evidence that this ever took place, that any of these objects ever actually landed or were even in the air at all? And what is the driving force behind the why now? Is it, you know, and of course we saw Luella Zondo's team uh, address this so rapidly, um, you know, that this is exactly what I was saying. See, this is why we need this. And then immediately we saw uh, Rubio and Gillibrand like, all right, come on, guys. It's time to put some money in these coffers, right? And those coffers are filling up fast. And so you have to understand the big picture here. The why now is a great question. And the where's the evidence is also a great question. So, um, and I mean this specifically to the recent incursions, but I think this has also been kind of a ongoing and a, maybe a long time in the coming um, situation, because let's also consider for a moment that we saw very specific wordage in the 2022 report that was so late. Why was it so late? Were they rewording it specifically to say balloon anomalies? I don't know. I'm, you know, this is just a guess, but it's kind of strange that just a few weeks later, we're suddenly addressed with a very specific balloon anomaly that we're now addressing and taking down. Um, so I just, you know, great questions coming in from your chat. And I think this kind of is something that we need to address and be aware of in the UFO community. Well, the good news is, is people are now paying attention, trying to figure out where they can report things to. And one of the groups that has come on strong recently is a new group called Enigma Labs. Now, this is a private group that's allegedly been funded by billionaire Peter Thiel, who is very well known for helping create PayPal with Elon Musk. He is also someone who has a lot of connections within Washington, D.C. One insider told me he's the kind of guy who can get people elected. And that's how much power this guy seems to have. We have heard and learned, pardon me, that he has put between 5 and $7 million of his own money to kick off the funding for this Enigma Labs. Yet when you go on their website, it is very vague. It seems very 
uh, critical of the UFO field, you know, kind of has this I'm better than you type attitude on their website, but they are attracting some bigger names like Ben Hansen and former fighter pilot Alex Dietrich as advisors to their team. They have tried to bring on other people. However, we don't know their staff. We don't know who their investigators are. They say they're all about the science and nuts and bolts about this. And they want the public to send their reports. This is a brand new group who says they've already collected over 300,000 reports when they haven't done a single investigation. It's a private company. They don't have to disclose anything. Uh, Louis, let's start with you on this one because Tim and I have beat up Enigma Labs ad nauseum trying to figure this new group out. I mean, what's your thoughts on this? Is this about building a government contract for future investigation, or do you think they have the best intentions of ufology in mind? Well, we don't really know, and that's part of the problem is they're not clear on their message. They're not even clear on who their members are, and they're not clear on answering the question of will you or will you not share our information. So, uh, But again, too, I think we might have a false security with groups like MUFON because I do believe if the government you know, really wants to get their hands on these cases, they will, and they probably already have. Um, but from what I'm hearing, I think I was on your show a little while ago, Dave, and we kind of went through their site. It was fairly new. So I've asked some people. Uh, apparently it's the real deal. They're getting like, they have money from him. They have money from the government. This thing is happening and they're sitting in on big talks that other groups aren't invited to. And I've also heard that that's causing a little bit of frustration in the people in Congress and things like that, who are supposed to be in the know, but yet aren't getting invited to these closed door meetings. So it's very much like the old guard again. Again, we don't know enough about Enigma because they haven't quite told us yet, but uh, I'm hearing that it is the real deal and that they do actually have a big part in this coming down in the future. Well, the interesting part about that is after you and I had that show where we kind of broke down Enigma Labs, all of a sudden within like a week and a half, they were attending major conferences and putting on their own regarding yeah. Arrow was there, the the government UFO group. Okay, uh, they were attending, they were invited by NASA to take place. I found that very ironic that one of the first tweets put out says, we are not affiliated with any government contracts or any government group, but we're glad to be working with NASA and Arrow. Like, to yeah. me, that was just one of the biggest ironies of the UFO world of 2023 so far. Dr. Michael Masters, we bring you in here to look at this. I mean... There are so many groups out there that are going for the nuts and bolts aspect. And we have this group now, Enigma, that is looking into the nuts and bolts aspect again, joining the 25 other groups that seem to be out there doing the exact same thing. But they now want to do reporting. They now want to build an app where people can put their uh, sightings in real time. I mean, the secrecy of this group is a question mark. Have you been able to look into them at all, or have you been approached by Enigma to see what you can offer them? Um, I can honestly answer that with maybe. I, I do think maybe I met a couple of their tech engineers last year. Now that you're talking about it, it does sound very, very familiar, but um, it, and and what they presented to me did sound interesting and like it could add a lot to this community. Um, but you know, I, I can't say for sure. the The thing I would like to add is that politics are going to be hard, 
there's going to be people that have money. There's going to be people that don't necessarily do good things with that money. Um, I would hope that, I mean, you, you have that quote by Ronald Reagan that starts your show where, where politics break down, nationalism breaks down, where we're one people, we're humanity. And I would like to think that regardless of what the past was, that when we move toward this, we'll be different people. We'll do something better with that. And, and I hope that whatever this organization is, that they'll do that too. Well, you know what? It's going to be interesting to see uh, how it plays out with them because they are not giving a lot of their secrets up. They're not even telling us who their investigators are. You know, I mean, Tim Senor, you and I have debated this. I'm going to get to Jason first. But, uh, you know, Tim and I have gone through this quite a bit over the last couple of weeks and really trying to dissect and get on the phones and talk to people and say, hey, what do you know about this this new group here? I mean, we're all seeming, Jason, to be on a little bit of a defensive here because, let's face it, when it comes to ufology, we don't like new things. We like what's old. We like what's traditional. You know, I mean, look at the debate we were having earlier about UAP versus UFO. I mean, that is still going on within the major community. And this community doesn't take uh, very well to people who are brand new. I experienced that when we first started Spaced Out Radio eight years ago. Many others have uh, experienced that as well. Is this just old school people and old school thought that is... is, uh, hindering any trust with this group or because of their silence, because of their lack of, of what they put on their website regarding what they are about and who they are. And there's not a single picture of anyone involved in them is the secrecy maybe pushing people away from this group before they even get going. Yeah, I think so. The other aspect of it as well is I think there's too many cooks in the kitchen, man. You know what I mean? There's so many different organizations and groups and societies all forming around UAP disclosure or UFO investigations. And I I don't know, like, why not just form a massive organization? The other aspect, too, that I was thinking of is, are they global? Is this just something that they're going to take the data in from the United States? Are they having investigators globally? I know that, that MUFON, although it's not communicating with everybody across the world, does have... Uh, you know, members worldwide. So we have more of a scope of how many sightings per country. Is that going to be the same thing with Enigma Labs? The fact that they're being quiet about it and saying they don't have to release the information that they gather, automatically the defenses go up, especially within ufology, because, I mean, that's uh, we're so tired of hearing that. Like, we'll gather information, but it's, you know, not to be shared with the public. Like, every organization says that. You know, um, we'll, we'll, you know, the resolution office, Louie and I were laughing at that, the resolution office, like how arrogant do you have to be to form, you know, the arrow, like the, just the, the whole department, like we got this, don't worry about it. And then something else happens. You get Biden that says, you know, they're going to start a whole new administration and, and look into this. Like, what about what's already out there? Like nobody's us- utilizing this. Uh, even NASA. I mean, we, Dave, you and I have talked about NASA a bit. But they're starting their own investigation as well. Like I said, there's just too many right now to count. And having a new group come in saying, hey, we're going to be this powerhouse. We're going to investigate all this, but not release any information or don't have to release the information. Yeah, that's, you know, it's going to be hard for the trust to be uh, to be given. 
can I can I chime in here real sure, quick? Sure, please do. If if it's the same group I met um about nine months ago, which makes me think it is, because why else would they have been doing the research they were doing at these conferences? I think the the game plan is to monetize the data to let people have access to it, but to charge for it. If it's the same group and it might not be, but I have a feeling it is from what you guys are talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah they some... will be charging for data much like MUFON does where you have to pay. A kind of. They, they charge for, yeah, for access, the, the membership, which you don't actually get. Cause I did that. I did a MUFON subscription and I got Jack all in the form of data. And I even wrote them many emails and they said, sorry, Actually, they didn't even say sorry. They just didn't respond to me. Mm. Oh, that's brutal. Mm. Well, you know, the enigma that is Enigma Labs <laughs> is something that, you know, I think we as a UFO community, you know, have to police. Just like any new group, whether it's Galileo Project, whether it's UAPX, whether it's anybody, we have to be able to police it to make sure that the public who isn't policing it and relies on people like us to really get out there and make it happen. Tim, you got 40 seconds. I agree with everything that I was hearing. I love to hear the fact that your gut is that they're trying to monetize the data because that is absolutely apparent. No, they uh, told me that. They told yeah. me that. Well, that's great. If it's I, the same people. Yeah, that that sounds 100% correct. Uh, the trust us attitude that they are assuming, even with their name, Enigma. I mean, come on. Um, it, it just it's so cryptic and then not having obviously any of their members apparent. Um, it's just it's, you know, leading the same people that historically knew that Bob Bigelow just walked into MUFON and purchased everyone's reports. They don't want to get burned again. Right. And so it's those same people that are looking out and waiting and questioning Enigma right now. For good reason. And on that note, we are going to hop out of here for just a couple of minutes as we take a commercial break. We are halfway done the roundtable tonight. Dr. Michael Masters, Louis Borges, Jason Gilmatt from the UAP Studies Podcast, from the UFO Report, Tim Senor. We continue with this great panel talking MUFON next on Spaced Out Radio. All right. We are clear. What kind of beverage is that there, uh, Jason? Is that a Coca-Cola? We are looking at a, a zero-sugar cherry Coca-Cola. Oh, look at that. Would you look at oh, that? Oh, it's pretty tasty. Pretty tasty. I'm addicted to Diet Pop, man. It's, it's pretty bad. Oh, I'm I'm a, I'm allergic to aspartame. I had, oh, really? Yeah, I had a buddy of mine one time. We went to the Mission Springs, and I was always... I'm, I was always his designated driver because I don't drink, right? And right. so one day I get up, I go to the bathroom, and he comes back. He goes, hey, I ordered you a, I ordered you a Coke. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. I take a big swig because I'm thirsty. And I'm like, you, I'm like, started talking normal. I'm like, you idiot. He goes, what? I said, I'm allergic to advertame because my tongue swell in my mouth. Oh, no way. Right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. he's like, what? I said, dude, my tongue swelled up on aspartame. Right? And 
And he, he's like, dude, I didn't know. I thought you were always joking because, you know, you, you liked regular Coke because of the sugar and all that. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm, a, I'm allergic to aspartame, right? So I had to wait. Did you have to take an EpiPen or anything? No, or? no. I waited about half an hour. My tongue went back to normal. But, uh, yeah, it was it was almost instantaneous. So that, that aspartame stuff just just freaks me out. Yeah, it's probably not good at all to drink the amount that I drink, but yeah, it's like a, it's like an addiction at this point. You know? Ice caps, dude. Ice caps. Hmm? Tim Hortons ice, ice caps. Ice caps. Yeah, they're costly, aren't they? Too like they add up, don't they? They do. They they're do. Like four bucks a piece. I know, but you know what? One of those a day, and I am good. I oh am. well, I drink lots of coffee as well, so I'm not going to blame you on that. Like. Mm. This doesn't cost me four bucks, but it's I still buy one every freaking day. So oh, I hear we all have these little addictions to something. And then you come home at night as something else. If it's not ice cream, it's a bag of chips or like we all have these little these little obsessions oh, throughout yeah. the day that we're we need to have, right? Absolutely. Little comforts. Uh Raymond, Dave, I'm a musician as well. Did you say you have a flying V Gibson? No, I I went to my local sports store and pawn shop here. And I went to get my son's skates sharpened. And in the pawn shop area, they had a a Flying V uh, Dean. With weather starting to warm up, it's time to update your outdoor space with Lowe's. Right now, start prepping with lawn essentials like fertilizer. Get Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed Fertilizer starting at just $32.48. And tackle outdoor cleaning with powerful electric pressure washers starting at just $99. Visit us in-store or online to get a head start on your spring projects today. Lowe's knows home improvement. Valid 223 to 38 while supplies last. Selection varies by location. Guitar, I believe it's called a VX. It's not It's not a uh, an expensive model. I think brand new. They're about five, six hundred bucks. I picked it up for a hundred dollars. So I thought that was a good deal. And it, it sounds not too bad on my on my kid's amp. So that's what I did. Yeah. How you doing there, Double M? Having fun yet? Having a ton of fun, my friend. Thanks for having me on tonight. Hey, that's a nice t-shirt you got on. Oh, you think? Oh, you know what's below there, don't you? Tacos, buddy. Tacos. Uh-huh. It's all tacos, my friend. Yeah, my kid actually, uh, my son wore his, his Sasquatch sassy, yeah. sassy Sasquatch thing today. And he came home and he told me this story <clears throat> about how somebody called one of his friends sassy. And he was like, you mean like a sassy Sasquatch? And he showed off his uh, nice his sweatshirt there yeah nice he was uh super stoked about that moment sweet sweet did your wife steal one of the t-shirts too she did not steal one she is fighting my daughter over the one with the fairy and the little moon right right i'll have to send another one no you don't need to do that in fact, at one point today, I had three of them on, and I'm like, this is unnecessary. There's a, 
there's no point in this show that I'm going to just start stripping off clothes and show all three of the versions of these shirts. Uh, it's yeah. completely unnecessary. I hear so you. I went with this one with the tacos and UFOs yeah, shirt instead. That's one of my favorites. I got that one yeah. too. Otherwise, I'd be rocking a suit with Louie over there. Well, yeah, I, I do like to dress up. It's only because you sent me a bunch of swag that I'm. I appreciate I'm, I'm rocking this shit, but I do you love it, man. You get a little bit of heat. Like we had somebody comment, uh, the guy top middle wants to sell me leather socks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually sold out. So I've done such a good job of selling them. There's none left. So you'll contact awesome. me. I'll put you on the Best list. socks in town. Right. The only thing, yeah. the only no, thing I, I know I about Louie. I, I suddenly want some. The only I thing I know about Louie is he's, he's like Lady Gaga. He, he, uh, all the time is making wardrobe t- changes during the show. You know, every commercial break, it's a new suit that he's putting on. I've changed oh, my yeah. slacks three times, even though they're not showing. I, that doesn't surprise me. Four seconds, guys. But, Here we go. Why did you have to change them three times? a halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read the Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. All right, here we go. The roundtable continues tonight. We're going to get into MUFON here with Tim Senor from the UFO Report, from the UAP Studies Podcast, Jason Gilmant and Louis Borges, and Dr. Michael Masters is with us as well. And MUFON made some interesting news this week. And for people who don't know what MUFON is, it's a mutual UFO network where they collect over the last 50-some years. They've been the number one UFO sightings recording place in the world. And, you know, there is a huge, huge difference between the board of directors and those who are state directors or the actual boots-on-ground investigators when it comes to these reports and who's taking them and who's filing them. And the people at the bottom end, from the the boots-on-ground people to the state directors, they're doing this for the right reason, in my opinion. They're doing this because they want to know what this phenomena is all about, and they want to get that word out there. And I, and I think a lot of times what's happened with the dramatics around MUFON the last decade or so is people really tend to forget that there really are two sides to MUFON. And we're dealing with the board of directors here on this one because executive director, gentleman by the name of, of uh, Dave McDonald, who's a nice guy. I've met him. He's a nice guy. And, you know, he's he's been in the position for about a year and a half now. Well, recently, he has been pushing travel towards Washington, D.C. to get MUFON more into the world of politics when it comes to UFOs. 
And recently, he met with a company called A10 Associates. Now, they are a lobby group in Washington, D.C., and they apparently have signed on with MUFON to team up to try and get some lobbying for UFOs. Good news? Yeah, not too bad. The question about that, though, is why didn't the rest of MUFON know? Then, to add more to this weird little topic if you can call it that, there is a new member of the MUFON board of directors, a lady named Jessica Beeson Taco, who just happens to be the CEO and founder of A10 Associates. Knows nothing about UFOs. She, uh, according to her bio, has never had an experience that she's at least written on here about. But, it's very interesting to see that MUFON, who, in my opinion, is really supposed to be the voice of the people, especially after what we saw coming out of Project Blue Book back in the 60s and 70s, that's why MUFON was formed, is all of a sudden going more political. Now, Jason, you are a member of MUFON Canada, so I think it's only fair to start with you on this topic. I mean, what do you think about this movement by the board of directors of MUFON? Well, I think it's a good idea to approach the government because, I mean, MUFON doesn't, it's a, it's a free organization. The men, the men and women that uh, do the research, they do it on their free time. They do it on their dime to boot. Uh, you know, if they have to relocate themselves to go see a site or investigate somewhere, I mean, they're, they're paying for the gas. That's not covered by the organization. Uh, the organization needs money. And approaching the government makes sense, especially if the government's sort of peaked interest into UFO right now. <clears throat> Again, you have this, uh, you know, since 1969, MUFON's been collecting all this data. And you have cases that are amazing that we cannot identify what it was. And they're amazing cases. And again, we talked about this earlier, but the UFO phenomenon is more than just sighting something in the sky. Sometimes these things land. There's some sort of interaction between the occupants of this craft and humans, if it's not an abduction, it's words that are, uh, you know, given to like we were talking about the Zimbabwe case when uh, you had a bunch of kids that all got telepathic messages, all of them different messages, but all at once from one entity. That's amazing. Dealing with this uh, phenomenon, you're dealing with a, a plethora like word, I'm going to use your word. Thank you. Of uh, Yeah, of it's a very good word. Uh, of different issues, you know, um, often I think with the government, like if they take on MUFON and they really look at the phenomenon, it's more than just object in the skies. And there's an actual human interaction with these things. And it, it, again, I would like to specialize in alien abductions and talking with experiencers. That's where my focus is on, on this, you know, research that I'm doing. But there's other aspects to this phenomenon that, you know, I would have put in a team together with you know great ufologists. Michael Paul Masters, for instance, would have been part of that team. You know, uh, you know, build a team of people that have been doing this research for a long time that have different ideas and theories about what it could be. Uh, and I think you know, move on approaching the government is a good idea. It's a step in the right direction. See, I, I will debate you on that. I think it, it it really is not a good step in the right direction. I think it does the absolute opposite thing because, in my opinion, and maybe I'm in the minority here and I'm okay with that, MUFON 
when it started in 1969, was really supposed to be the voice of the public because they weren't getting what they needed from the U.S. government. They were getting swamp gas. They were getting Venus. They were getting, you know, Mylar balloons. Anything that wasn't UFO. And MUFON was formed because they wanted to have a place where ordinary people like us and people who were listening could report their their sightings and try and fit or their interactions with UFOs in a safe place. Okay, now over time, those those reports became, you know, you buy a membership, you get a- access to it. Okay, and anybody can do that. Like the argument about it from many MUFON members is, hey, if you pay the money, you get access. So it's no wonder the government would pay the fifty, eighty, hundred dollars, whatever it is, to get access to those reports. Why wouldn't they if they have it infiltrated already? And I understand that. But in my opinion, MUFON was supposed to be that watchdog for the people. Because the government, because the alphabet agencies and everybody and the military were covering this up. So I disagree with you on that. I agree that they need money. MUFON has always struggled for money. They've never had a Peter Thiel come in and drop seven million bucks. They did have Robert Bigelow for a while, but it was an investment in trade. Give us the studies. I'll give you the money. Okay, rather than just a a. Uh, a, a good gestured donation, so to speak. So uh, this is where I'm confused about it as an outsider, because I don't think it's a good idea that they are starting to try and get into the government hands. Government has been trying to control the disclosure narrative. This is why I say there's a confirmation and not a disclosure happening. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm looking at it with blinders. Help me out here. Well, I, you know, again, I would say that we were talking about the issue of money. It's just the government's interest in it. They're throwing money left, right, and center. Um, I think MUFON's trying to, get, you know, jump in and see if they can get funding, uh, become a better organization, more organized. Uh, Bigelow did fund some stuff. We were talking to, who is it, Jeremy Ray, Louis? Yeah. Uh, that was mentioning, you know, Bigelow would pay for some of the uh, investigations, uh, but very little. Like you barely paid anything to the investigators. And, uh, you know, it just doesn't. I, that's what I'm worried about the MUFON organizations that it seriously, the heart is there. Like you mentioned, the state of directors, the uh, field investigators, you know, as, as the public, you guys can trust these people. These people love what they do. Uh, they go out of their way to make sure that they take you seriously and take into account what you've witnessed uh, or what whatever your sighting was. Um, but yeah, as an organization as a whole, it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard to say if it is the right move. But I think, you know, looking for money and looking to see if they can partner up with the, the government might be a step in the right direction for mutual disclosure. All right, Dr. Michael Masters, let's get your opinion on MUFON bringing in a, a lobby group to join their board of directors. Uh, that's news to me. I didn't know that was happening. Um, all I can say is from my experience, they, so it always seemed like they had money and they just didn't want to give it to people. But from listening to you talk and from looking back on everything I've seen in retrospect, I think they don't actually have any money. Like they pay us a pittance to come talk at their conferences, 
but we do it because this organization is a legacy. They were originally the Midwest, I think, Midwest UFO. It wasn't even mutual. They changed it so it was more broad. But, um, <clears throat> no, I think, like, when you have something that's there, when we're all trying to figure out what's happening, if we have something we can latch on to, it's probably worth having that. And and that's why I go give a talk for $200. You know, like, that's not a lot of money. And it's a lot of work to do that. But we do it because this organization is a legacy organization. And I think they will continue to be that. They've had some hard times. You and I, Dave, talked about this last time I was on your show about Jan Arzan and his alleged uh, interactions with underage people. 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 And, you know, like, that set them back a little bit. We can't discount that. I think we we need to acknowledge that they're not necessarily great at certain things. The data thing, the data access thing, not great at that. But they they are a good organization, and I I, I do think that they're worth something. Well, I think MUFON still plays a very important role in ufology. And, you know, I am a fan of MUFON, and I am a fan of the people who are are getting out there and, and spending their own money like you do, Jason, and many others who I call friends in this field uh, who are out there working their tails off just trying to get closer to this subject. And, you know, Louie, let's get your opinion on this. But, you know, I know you've learned a lot about MUFON through Jason and, and everything that goes along with that. I'm just concerned that MUFON is going to lose what their direction is, and that is the voice of the people. You know, I mean, I know that knowing that they have, you know, government or are trying to get more government information in there, I'm I'm concerned that we may see statistics go down if people know that the government is going to get their information or their reports. Yeah, it's the same as a lot of things. You have a few people making decisions for everybody else. And I think this was inevitable. Like you said, MUFON's been around since 1969. Haven't really pushed the needle on disclosure. They've been big on give us your cases. But what's actually come of that? And if I was you know, with MUFON from the beginning, I might be a little frustrated that more hasn't been done, that there wasn't already a lobbyist or even someone like Stephen Bassett you know, would gladly do that and has already done that in his career. So I think it was inevitable this was going to happen. I do think it was a poor decision not to include their members. This is supposed to be mutual. And yeah. in fact, we were interviewing Mindy Toddfest, who's a state director in Oklahoma. And I don't think she even knew uh, when we spoke with her about that, right? So, you know, to Jason's point, uh, we've talked to enough MUFON guys. I picked their brain off camera, asked them a lot of things. We did have somebody allude to the fact that late January, early February, there would be some big news coming down. Maybe this is what that person referenced. Um, but I also think there's enough people that care that they're not just going to screw it up, right? I think maybe it might not be the greatest decision. It may have come across the wrong way or the PR wasn't right, but I think there's a, there's a good reason why this is happening. All right, Tim Senor, uh, you and I have talked about this on the UFO report. Your thoughts overall, good move, bad move, uh, move right down the middle for MUFON? What's your thinking? Yeah. 
And so, as we discussed, I'm very much a supporter of MUFON from the directorship down. Um, you know, uh, only because I'm not familiar with everything in the higher echelons of the decision-making. Um, I found an incredible amount of support for my family when we had our sighting in 2019 with MUFON. Their state director reached out to me and actually had the state director from the state that I lived in even reach out to me and um, they hand walked me through everything and made sure that I understood everything that was going on with my report and um, really helped me kind of connect to some of the potential realities. Um, and I mean, really hand walked me through my case. It may have taken some time for them to get back with my results, which was incredibly frustrating. But when they did, um, it was absolutely thorough. And I know that they spent a lot of time determining the fact that my case was within the three to 5% at the time that they were determining true UFO. And so that was cool for me because I then was comfortable talking about it. You know, MUFON gives the public a place where they can really, you know, connect. And so I have to champion them. And so honestly, when I gave my report, I wanted everyone to know. And I was like, if the government knows, great. I was like, I want everyone to know because this was like a massive thing to me. And so if they needed to finance themselves by using my report or, or whatever research, they, I was 100% fine with it. Now, that's just me. Um, and I'm not speaking for everyone. However, I would like to consider there are those higher echelons that are making decisions and not sharing the information with the directors. I don't think that's a good thing. I know that now they have Jessica Tok uh, Toko the new representative that they've brought on, hopefully being a lobbyist for them. Now I'm potentially cool with that. That, that might work well if some of those interesting cases are getting to Washington via Jessica, like that's, I don't know if that's it, but let's hope that's what's going on. Um, again, I don't know enough personally, when I see something like this and they're reaching out for money and they're asking for government interaction, I I've always assumed there was that, they helped when they when we did our um, public hearings. They were helping with, with the right questions to ask. I feel that these are the right people, whether it's the directors or everyone below. This, these people have been around for as long as we've known, and we've trusted them. I don't think now is the time to suddenly change, personally, and that's my personal opinion. Do you, do you mind saying what state you're in? Because I think Dave's sure. point is important that the state directors – are worthy of our consideration. Yeah, absolutely. So my sighting was in Washington, but um, I live in Oregon, and both state directors reached out to me. That's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, there's a big difference between the investigative side and the business side. The business side has to figure out how to drum up information, how to drum up uh, popularity, how to drum up. MUFON, ha in my opinion, and I've talked to many people, including members of the board of directors, has done a terrible, terrible job at their own media. Okay, they should have... MUFON, from the time the Two the Stars Academy came out, MUFON should have been all over the news. You know, Jan Harzan, when, when he was in position, and now Dave McDonald, they should have been on CNN, they should have been on Fox, they should have been on MSNBC. This is where I'm saying they should have been taking up the point of, okay, we've got this TTSA group out there now, but no, they tried to team up with TTSA. I mean, it's easy to say that, though, but it's hard to implement that. It's hard to just get out there and 
do that? Well, like, we how see do you just... Enigma doing it. Enigma has a blurb every time something hits the news. How, how much longer this... is that, though? This is like five years later. As soon as that came out in 2017, like MUFON's just going to instantly attach themselves to those coattails and ride those? I I don't know. I I mean, I, I think that's maybe an unrealistic expectation of what MUFON should have done in 2017. Well, how else do you get your name out there if it isn't through the press? I think they should have been doing that, but how do you do that? Tell me how do you oh, do that? That part is simple. That part is PR? simple. You have you you get a proper PR person rather than somebody who has zero experience like Enigma Labs has. Okay. You have someone who knows how to write a press release and over time through the history of MUFON, you should have been building your email contact list for your media. So that way it's a one-stop shop. So for instance, I have been out of the radio game, the terrestrial radio game since 2007, yet I am still on the Vancouver Canucks press release list. So when they make a trade, they make a cut or they hire a coach, I get a press release over that. They should have been doing that. Any P- That's PR 101. And the PR department should have been championing them to get on Fox News when it, it was all They've never had that. That's the I, problem. Exactly. They've never had that. Exactly. Jan didn't have that. Jan Harzan didn't have that. None of them have had that this entire time. That's the problem. They have no inner working. You're right. Like, the statewide shit is awesome. They have that on lock. All of the, the researchers who are going out and investigating these things, they have that on lock. But that part that you're talking about, it never existed. They haven't had that. They didn't have it with Jerry Narzan. They don't have it now. It's a big problem. Absolutely. And keep in mind, too, that it's also the uh, the updates that need to be done to move on. Like, we could tell it has no money because we're still using the uh, CMS system, uh, which is not that great. Um, you know, it needs to be updated. There's, you know, even the website, it's money's needed. And that's a problem with the organization is that everybody's working for free 99 and there's no money to be made. There's no money from the organization paying for any investigations, much less their website or anything like that. It needs to be updated. Uh, even the manual that we have as, as uh, field investigators needs to be updated. It's not, it's not current to what we've recently know about the phenomenon or how to investigate the phenomenon so people go there and they see that and they say what's the point you know if they're using dos why am i gonna file a report here right what's the point yeah you don't look the part right you don't Um, look the part you don't look cutting edge research and they need to be that if they want to be that they need to be that and that takes investing some money yeah and it's totally not, agree. It's not. I hey, I've been to one of the symposiums now. I've seen the nice suits walking around. Okay, unless uh, unless people are you know are are playing. There, there's a lot of money behind MUFON. Even Dave McDonald, the executive director, has some good deep pockets. But I mean, who is throwing money at them? We know Paul Hynek is a big fan. The son of Jay Allen Hynek, who by the way is not funny. He is not funny whatsoever. You know. Every time I say I talk about Paul Hynek, I have to say that because it's an insider joke between him and I. But, you know, they do need money. Michael is right. And I think you're right, too, Jason. You know, but the idea behind it is, I guess for me, the minute you get into 
any type of business with the government, you now have to toe the company line on the subject. And mm-hmm. when it comes That's to a good point, yeah. and when it comes to disclosure, we already know we're never going to get disclosure from the government. And I wish ufology, and this is my own pet peeve, I wish ufology would eliminate the word disclosure from their vocabulary because it's not going to happen. We are going to get confirmation. We have confirmation. We've been told there's confirmation. But anything else of what the military knows or the alphabet agencies knows or even the president of the United States knows, we're not going to get that. That's not what this is about. So that's where I, I, I grow concerned about the tie between the government and, and pushing that button rather than going rogue in a good way and being the voice of the public. Well said. Well, I'm just, I'm just going to keep that one. I'm gonna, I may put that one on TikTok. I may put (laughs) (laughs) No, I completely agree. I mean, this isn't a dispute. We're all on the same team here. It's just that I just, I don't know. I I don't know. Like, and I think you're right. It's not about disclosure. It's confirmation. Absolutely. And it's never about disclosure. But I mean, that's, is that lexicon again? Is that. Well, let's find out in hour number three. Two hours down, one hour to go on the SOR roundtable tonight. Some good hot topic conversations here. What do you think? When we return, where's the aliens? Where'd they go? Why is nobody talking aliens anymore? It's based out radio. All right, we're clear. We got six minutes, boys. Let's all abandon Tim again. No, no abandonment. I have issues with that. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> I will say time. this, though, Dr. Masters, when you talk on the topic, it's always it, like you bring us back down and ground us with aliens. Right isn't, that, isn't that funny that that grounds us when we talk about <laughs> It's like a relaxing audio book. Yeah. Kinda... No, it's not, it's not a, a grounding. It's, it's the reality of the situation. I mean, isn't that who we're talking about? These beings? Mm-hmm. The craft are physical things that we see in the skies, but aren't we really talking about the ones piloting them? If if we had these conversations on these podcasts about F-16 fighter pilots, and that's all we talked about was the fighter pilots and their cool missiles and their like jets and their wings, it, are we really talking about the thing? Yeah, you're we're talking right. about the things in the thing. They're yeah. real. They're but real people. Do you feel like even the nuts and bolts facts on this topic, we're always talking about the nuts and bolts and what we can see that we're missing that conversation that you just said, talking about what's inside them is the real conversation. It's both. The nuts and bolts are how they fly. The thing inside is the beings, the consciousness that is operating those things. But yeah. both both exist, but we're only allowed in this point in time to talk about those things that we see and that now we're talking about confusing with like Chinese balloons and shit. But no, those those are the real things. That Those are real things. There's nuts and bolts, but there's also people inside and they also have a highly evolved consciousness. 
Do you have any thoughts on why they're here or anything that you could share real quick? I do. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that. I wrote two books about that, in fact. That's amazing. Buddy, I'd love a, a like maybe a version that I can handle because I'm pretty new to it, honestly. You know, I've gotten to the point where I don't I don't cliff notes myself. Okay, fair answer. There's a reason why I wrote very, very long years worth of research books about this. But there's definitely an element of other life that's not human. There is here. an element of other life that is human that is here. Oh, They're not only here, but they are also here in a way you'll never understand until you meet them. And even to understand their technology, I think it'd be a lot faster for us to get to know and understand them, how they think, how they function, you know, what's their thought patterns, if we can even pick that up, uh, you know, because we keep saying alien, the way that they think is probably alien to the way that we think. But Absolutely. Quick, yeah. Yeah. The quick, that's the point I was trying to make with Dave. Like, if we think about it from their point of view, like, what's the... To- What's disclosure to them? Yeah. yeah. What's that for them? Like, try to look down all these organizations we have, all these like amalgamated things that aren't because they're so divided. Yeah. And they're trying to like say, okay, now we're announcing our presence. Like, how fucked up is that for yeah. them? Like, how yeah. hard is that for them? Can't even imagine. I, yeah. I, I empathize so much. It's got to be incredibly difficult. One of the things that's really holding us back is the fact we have nations and countries because they don't see that. They they look at our planet, they just see continents and just they go wherever the hell they want. There's no that's why when somebody said, Oh, you know, uh, you know, they signed a treaty with these aliens that they were allowed to abduct a certain amount of Americans per year. I'm like, Okay, but you have to define the boundaries of what is America yeah. to aliens and say so you must only be restricted to this strip Here's of land. the big one. Here's the big one, my friend. You have to define what is us. Right. You have to define what is ego in that. Think about that one for a little bit. That's the way they think about it. There is no nation. There is no us. Yeah. There is no ego. It's fucking insane, man. Yeah. It's fucking (laughs) insane. Insane, you got, but we love you got it. four thousand pages of material just spewing right now. Yeah, Doctor Michael Masters and his extra Temptation Island terrestrials. Temptation Island. By the way, you never paid for your ticket, Dave. What ticket? I was. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, through the online site, your credit card didn't clear, man. No. Yeah, no. Weird. We revoked your uh, <laughs> we, we revoked your ticket to Tem- Tempestrio Island or whatever you called it there. <laughs> I can't even remember. Apparently, uh, according to Magnolia, Dave is great, but he should use some hair coloring. I thought about that oh. getting a haircut yesterday, to be blunt. I that did. is gray shaming. You look great, man. I will be honest. You're when you look great. at your intro pick. Like long hair, brown highlights. Yeah, grow back out. Grow yeah. back out. I, I, I may. I may. You know, I'm going for that Dr. Michael Masters look, except 50 pounds heavier. 
That's what I'm going for. Let's meet in the middle, man, because I'm trying to grow 50 pounds heavier. So, oh man, I just like telepathically send your weight down to me, and we'll. Oh, we'd be twins. Have some weird fat orgy in the middle of. (laughs) I mean, we're only like what 200 miles apart. All right, guys, here here we go. In the pose orgy, it's gonna be. Here we go. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, talk stream live at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davy the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club, Habergeon. Habergeon is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. Final hour with our panel tonight. We have Jason Gilman and Louis Borges from the UAP Studies Podcast. Tim Senor from the UFO Report. Dr. Michael Masters with us tonight. And you know, all this talk, gentlemen, about UFOs, UAP, Chinese balloons, everything that's been going down. We seem to have forgotten about where's the aliens? Where's them damn aliens hiding? You know, are they here? Are they with us? Are they taking a break? Because you know what? I've even talked to many experiencers recently, and I've asked them, hey, are you having any contact whatsoever? And even the people that are in constant contact say, no, things have seemed to slow down. Tim, where's them aliens hiding? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I'm very much on the search for that exact thing. Um, and I get great stories, and it's always anecdotal. I look for great evidence online, and it's always false. And so I'm looking for the smoking gun when it comes to aliens. It's so elusive. Um, I, I'm, I'm like one of those people that wants to believe, right? I haven't had that experience yet. But I definitely consider it's possible. And even with my family's experience, that you know might have been something alien because so far I haven't found a mundane explanation and no one has. Um, and so, you know, I'm definitely one of those people that believes it's a hundred percent possible that they are visiting here. And um, my big consideration is how we're representing, you know, and the fact we were talking a little bit before here that we haven't even asked that question yet, you know, about really who's here, the, the beings inside the craft, and how we're potentially attempting to represent ourselves and how should we and who should. So I'm the one that knows the least about this. So please let me pass my time off to the rest of the crew. All right. Dr. Michael Masters, you are out looking for extra tempestrals. 
or whatever you call them. I always uh, I can't pronounce that word. I just can't. You actually that's the best you've ever done it. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I commend you for where, that. Where do you think? Uh, the no, Tim's are right. Tim's right. Like you know, we haven't been talking about the beans inside of the craft. <clears throat> the things being shot down are balloons. There's no question about that. The things we've been seeing for tens of thousands of years are not balloons. We know that. So the question is, what are they? Who are they? Who's inside? Where did they come from? Or potentially, when did they come from? It's no secret that I think they're from our future. I also think that it's not going to be long before we understand that they have been here for a long time and they're willing to tell us this. The problem is all of the things we're talking about, are we ready? Hmm. I ask you this. I turn the question back. Are we ready? Well, let's, if, uh... if, let's just hypothetically say if they are us, what would you say in your mind if you were interacting with a future person? Would you be cool with that? Let's go to Jason. Okay, repeat that for me one more time. If they said they're from our future, would you be cool with that? How would you interact with that notion of reality? See, I'd like to think that I'd be cool with it, but it depends on on many factors. Depends on how the interaction with them started. If it's off to they a good put something rate. in your butt. Uh, well, then uh, we're off to bad start. Deep inside your butt. Yeah, as, as long as they paid for dinner first, then I'm okay with <laughs> it. But, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, I think I, I keep thinking about that. Like, how would I react if I was to have an interaction with something that's more evolved? than us because ultimately that's what it's about whether it's extraterrestrial or interdimensional but i'm asking about this specifically i'm because dave asked me and i'm asking the panel yeah so i i would say that um i would think it'd be cool uh i would have tons of questions but probably wouldn't get any answers but i think it would be cool i i think i i I could handle it for myself and uh, Dr. Michael Masters, we had you on our show, and when you explained your extratempestrial theory, it rang true with what I had already thought. It, again, nobody knows, but my majority of my opinion either. leaned that way already. And I found it really refreshing that you spend so much time and effort writing your books about that. So for me, you're asking this specific question. Yeah, I think it would be okay. The more groundbreaking thing would be answers to other questions like, you know, is there such a thing as a God? Are we seated? Are we just an experiment? Maybe something in that respect, we would get an answer we don't quite like that we maybe wouldn't be able to handle. Maybe some people high up know this, and that's part of the reason that they're saying we cannot handle it because that implies they know what it actually is. And I think somebody asked Lou Elizondo once, and they said, you know, how would everybody feel? And he said, somber. So it's, it, you know, a lot of people aren't saying it's going to be overwhelmingly positive. So, I don't think to answer your question, I don't think most people will be ready. Myself personally, yeah, but it would be the other questions that might rattle my cage. That's great. I wasn't asking the grand scheme of humanity. I was asking you people who are informed people who I yeah. wanted information back from because thank you. That's very helpful. 
How about you, Tim? It's your show, Dave. I'll stop asking your guest questions now. No, no I think it's a great question. <laughs> um, and in fact, this one hits home for me because after my family's experience before my dad passed away, when I asked him if that was E.T., you know, what do you think it is? And he says um, that he thinks that the whole E.T. thing is human in origin, time travelers, and he's like, they've just evolved differently. Or wow. they may have spent more time on different planets than we have. And so they're, you know, breathing different gases. And that's, he sent me down that world. And I was like, wow. So he was a true believer um, in time travel in that even what we potentially saw was just us from the future expressing tech. So, yeah, I've been warmed up to that already. It makes sense, right? We continue to evolve. Already, people have wisdom tooth issues. That's a sign of a shrinking jaw, right? We're not tearing for meat in the woods, hunting and foraging. We're just going to get bigger heads. Maybe that causes bulbous eyes. We get skinnier and more slender because of the lack of physical labor. And again, to your point, Tim, maybe planetary conditions are different. We have a dimmer star, different gravity, different atmosphere. It makes sense that it could just be... I mean, if you look at a dog... Right from a teacup poodle to a Great Dane, they share like 99.6% the same DNA. It, they're so close. So 1% would be a massive difference. So, you know, I don't think that it's too far out there that it could, in fact, be us in the future who have figured out time travel. And now maybe we're saving genetics or something important because something gets screwed up down the road. I think it's totally plausible. See, I come at yeah. this, uh, and, and I love this question, I come at this from a different level because I do consider myself a creationist, which means that, you know, even though I'm not a religious person, I, I am very spiritual and I have my my strong beliefs that I on how I think things were created, and, uh, you know, from because I, I just don't buy the Big Bang. I think there's something more to it. But nonetheless, if I look at it from the way I believe – I do believe that if you go back in the Bible in Genesis, we don't know um, how long a day was. So therefore, while God was creating Earth, could he have been creating other solar systems, other planets? It's the, that, gospel, that, of, it's the gospel of Peter. Exactly. He explains that same thing. Yeah. You know, could he have been making other planets? Or maybe, maybe he already made those before he made us. So mm. that's my belief. On that, so the fact that we could have another Earth out there, or many other Earths that that uh, inhabit life, where they are, say, twenty five thousand years ahead of us, or even two thousand years ahead of us, technologically speaking, or other types of species, like you hear about the mantids or the reptilians or the Arcturians or the Pleiadians or or the Davidians or whatever you want to call them. All right. Dave, Dave, what was that last one there? The Dave idiots, not the Davidians, the Dave, not the, the branch Davidians. The Dave. I feel like idiots. you made that one up, man. I think that's I think that's your civilization. Out there. Yeah, you know. But the, no, the, what my editor pointed out one time, like, what if we go out and inhabit all these star systems with our future technology, and then we come back and we're like, well, you know, like in the same way, I'm Welsh. Like, I my ancestors were from Wales, but I live here. Like, what if they've lived on, you know, some planet in Orion long enough that they just don't consider themselves Earthians anymore? And time is really, different. Yeah, it came from Orion. It's, 
Yeah, time is different on other planets. Like a year is only a year here. Yeah, exactly, too. Yeah. And they experience time differently. I, I don't know. I think it's worth considering. Plus, our DNA is supposedly older than the planet itself. If you, I think they use Moore's Law. It's sort of the, the doubling of things in technology. They apply that biologically. And if you cut everybody else's DNA, like all the other organisms, they all go down to zero at the, the age of our planet. But our DNA seemed to be like 3 billion years older than the planet itself. And there was no explanation for that. It's not a perfect report. I'm sure there's a million and one holes in it. But I found that really interesting. And I've, I've heard a few people reference that. We had to come from somewhere else because of the fact our DNA is actually older than the planet. Could be. Could very well be. But the and idea- how long has the planet been habitable, right? It was on fire for billions of years. It's only a brief little window that life is actually it is. Yeah, no. So, so we think it was habitable for about 3.1 billion years, give or take. And, and life like prokaryotic life did start soon after that. You had heat, you had an atmosphere. Yeah. You had, uh, water, most importantly, oxygen. So it, it could start, but, um, yeah, I hadn't heard that before. The DNA is older than Yeah, the apparently they say every 600 million years things double in complexity DNA-wise. So if you take any other organism and you oh, cut it Oh, that's half, an extrapolation thing then. Yeah. Yeah, they all go back to zero perfectly, like 4.3 billion or however old the planet is. But the human DNA when they kept breaking it down, it either something happened to artificially boost our DNA and how complex it got or it existed somewhere else before the planet was created. Hmm. Yeah, I have to look into that. That's interesting. I yeah. heard that but that also opens up the idea about time travel. If this is future us, that means that there are different dimensions going on at the exact same time, which, in my opinion, would answer a lot of the questions of what we see with David Politis and his missing 411 cases that we see where people just seem to vanish into thin air. You know, so, I mean, it, it, everything makes sense. What Michael is saying, what all of you guys are saying, it makes sense on the fact that these travelers could be us from the future. It could be us from a different civilization who already has figured out how to use wormholes to get across rather than having to go through the speed of light. I mean, there's a lot of different areas where we could be visited by, you know, and that's just our solar system. That isn't outside of our solar system where it's infinite. We don't know what else is out there or where the extraterrestrials are hiding. Do you think that the Star Trek concept is at all possible? The prime directive or or what? Their life is that there's all these planets with their own elements of life and they're all interacting. And like, I mean, is that possible somewhere? I mean, that that's how it is, that it's not us. There's no doubt that that's possible somewhere. Absolutely. There's so many stars. There's so many galaxies. There's so many planets around those stars in those galaxies. That's absolutely happening. I just don't think it explains this phenomenon. Not happening here. You think not happening here, but that is absolutely happening in other places. Can you imagine how cool it would be actually if you were evolving around a star in one place, and there happened to be another place where there was that. And you could just go hang out with them, and they had 
vaginas and you had like <laughs> I don't know a really long nose and we get into alien <laughs> genitalia That's yeah like I don't know like some kind of weird thing that just happened to work together and then you did that it would be beautiful but that that doesn't seem to be the case we've looked we we can now technologically look around our immediate vicinity and there doesn't seem to be anything like that but I don't to your point, Tim, I don't discount that that exists somewhere. And those alien civilizations are telling tons of lies for all kinds of orgasms. <laughs> Captain Kirk is enjoying his vacations. Yeah. You got that right. And somewhere, the USS Enterprise is flying by, wondering what the hell is Dr. Michael Masters talking about right now? <laughs> right? But the idea, as, as we got about six minutes to go here on this topic, the idea behind it is we don't seem to have that that power UFO alien story anymore. We don't have that Travis Walters type story happening or Calvin Parker or, you know, the Betty and Barney Hill type of of reaction anymore i mean everybody i mean look there's a lot more people have come out about their experiences but we don't have that that power punch experience anymore with maybe the idea that you know chris bledsoe may be that person now you know him and his family and what they've experienced and what they have been studied upon by uh, university scientists and by governmental scientists and and agencies as well i mean do we have that story? Where have all of those stories gone, Tim? Yeah, and that's the stuff that I call real UFO because that's our history. That's why we're all here is because of that potential possibility that those stories are real and that uh, that we have been hiding that truth. That's what's keeping us all here. And potentially some of us have had those experiences and are screaming it out loud and no one is listening. Because that's another thing, you know, it's really hard to get a story like that out, no matter who you are and how credible you are. And let's also consider the fact that a lot of people may have those stories and not want to talk about it for the fact that they don't want to lose their position or, you know, they they may question their own sanity with something like that. I, I mean, I can't even imagine what you must go through questioning yourself with something like that. But those stories are harder and harder to tell because people are going to ask too many questions with the follow-up in this day and age, right? Mm -hmm. It's not acceptable just to say you've had that experience without having some sort of like lingering evidence, right? Everyone's screaming for evidence and no one wants to be outed as a, you know, a falsifier of something like that. And so I feel like those cases are potentially happening. No one wants to come out because of that fear of attack. Can I just add something real quick on the end Please. of what Tim said? Uh, about the whole, like, people ask questions to follow up what you say. There are many times when these people tell you things and they don't let you remember them. So you can't ask, you can't answer the questions. It doesn't matter what question they ask, it's just not in there. It's the the age-old UFO apathy. It's the age-old UFO amnesia, the screen memories. They can do that at whatever point they want to. So even if you would like to answer the question, you maybe don't have access to it. 
That's very true. Yeah, That's very true. Yeah. We we do see a lot yeah. more ET contactees talking about these blocks where they'll only get snippets. Excuse me of what's what's actually going on. They won't get these downloads like Betty and Barney Hill were saying, or or these elongated understanding what's going on, like when Travis Walters was talking about being on craft and. Walton, Travis Walton. Walton, sorry. Uh, Thank you for correcting me. Uh, You know, when he talked about being on craft and running around trying to find a way out and and running into beings and punching beings and getting physically assaulted and assaulting back. I mean, there's a lot that we're not hearing. Louis, is this the Internet age? Because anybody can make up a Reddit story now? That's the problem. And, you know, I have people sending me stuff and asking, what do you think? What do you think? And in terms of anything tape or video, I just think the government is so good at covering this stuff up now. Part of the reason you're not hearing anything is because there's nothing to hear. And I don't think they stopped doing what they did in the 50s and onwards. Right. So, um, yeah, it's the Internet age. A lot of people want to be sensationalized. Everybody has an amazing story. Some people don't have the same intentions where, they're for disclosure. They're more wanting to be in the limelight. But I think there might be an aspect of it, too, where they're a little concerned about us. It's not exactly like we're a friendly species for the most part. So, you know, we chatted with somebody the other day who's an upcoming guest on our show. And we asked, like, was there really a survivor at Roswell? And he basically said, yes, there was. And we did so many tests and tortured the poor thing. And it died because of us. So I think they know that this isn't exactly the most inviting place to just come and physically visit with us and i I do also think a lot of that is um you know the memory being erased and screen memories and that type of thing i totally think that's a big portion of it that that's a very good point you know i mean look i mean people who have encountered the grays will tell you that the physically they seem very weak they seem almost almost uh you know youthful childlike with their strength and their their abilities to to do anything until they start putting their their woo magic on you you know by rubbing their chest or waving their arms around you know but i'm it's, just wondering if we'll consciousness. ever consciousness they use their consciousness yeah i'm just wondering it's just their it's Go basic ahead. consciousness they're i don't know i feel like jason you had something to say that was well, no, I was going to say uh, to Louis's point, because he's mentioning how brutal we are. If we were, you know, in space and we go and abduct a creature and get whatever we want out of it, we would probably just throw it out the airlock once we're done. Like, there's no way we'd return it, tug it back into bed where we got it from. Well, we're done, right? Uh, that's just the way we are. Uh, these entities seem to be doing that. They return people. Uh, some people even reported being tucked back into bed. Like, there's no absolute malice there there's there's actually good intentions and maybe why people don't remember their uh, you know events is that they don't want you to remember because it'd be traumatic and you couldn't go to work the next day if you remembered half of what took place so uh, you know i'm a, a strong believer that they have our best interests at heart for whatever purpose they're doing all right gentlemen we're gonna hold you guys right, right there you, my friend We're going to hold you right there. We are going to go to break. Our final break of tonight's show on Spaced Out Radio, a power panel of ufology researchers. Dr. Michael Masters, UFO Reports, Tim Senor, and Jason Gilmant and Louis Borges, both from the UAP Studies Podcast. We have these gentlemen till the top of the hour, and we're going to finish it off with something fun, something interesting. What do they want to be true? 
Space Out Radio continues after this. There we go. There we go. What we want us to be true. Yes. That's going to take a lot more than half an hour. <laughs> well, we're going to have to burn so through much. it. <clears throat> you know, Louie, isn't it time for a, a uh, outfit change again? Yeah, I guess I could. I could go change up. Yeah, freshen up a little for you guys. <laughs> you were asking where the aliens were earlier, and I was going to bring this guy on, but I saw him at a store the other day, and I thought, and we always forget that, you know, we're, Yoda is so loved and respected, but Yoda's an alien. Mm-hmm. So if Yoda's true, and we all know Yoda's real, then therefore aliens must also be real. So oh, yeah. The process the, there's the answer. There's the answer. Yeah. It's, it's a total South Park Chewbacca defense right there. Yeah, he's got a nice Sherpa. You must not learn what you have learned. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's good size. Oh, that, that is good. That is good. Oh, man. I can't believe how fast this show is going. This, this show's yeah, been good great. topic. Yeah. This show's been great tonight. Great conversation. Great conversation. AJ, I hope you don't think that I was being too hard on MUFON there. No, I mean, not at all, man. No, I... Um, I love the I've organization. Been... I do. Yeah. I really do. No, no. No, I didn't think you were badgering or coming hard on uh, the organization. Thing is, like I said, they're just, I find them to be just broke. Like they got no money. Like they're, you know, asking all their memberships, you know, like, please pay your memberships or please renew your, you know, they're always asking for something. So I, I know they're broke. And uh, like I said, for, for me, it's more like the the lower level people. That's where the heart of the organization is. And like you mentioned, the higher up you go, it's, it seems like, there's always going to be corruption and people that, especially when you get political and then you start looking for money for the organization and, you know, making money on the side, like that's, that's always going to happen. Unfortunately, that, that organization is not any different than any others. Right. So, no, I, I understand that. I just, you know, maybe, maybe my thoughts are too grandiose of what MUFON should be, you know? Oh, what it can be. Absolutely. What it can be. Yeah. That, that, that's a, that's a good way to put it too. You know, you know, and uh, I think a lot of the the one thing that I have learned over my time in looking and learning about MUFON, and I've never been a member, nor will I, because as a member of of the media, I, I can't do that. Okay, and I'm very staunch on that. But the one thing that I've learned is that that is the biggest shock to me was was the fact that you have to be able to divide MUFON, the investigators, and the state directors from the board of directors. They are two complete different entities. And the people who are busting their asses off every every day to file reports and, and get that information out there, I feel sorry for you. I do. I feel sorry for that hard work you're putting in because I don't see... And do not believe that you're getting the the proper support that you need, you know, or the or maybe even the proper direction of what should be happening. And like I said, maybe I I'm looking at it with rose petal glasses, okay, on and, and sunshine and rainbows. But I just I, MUFON, in my opinion, could be so much more. 
so much more that would be beneficial to everybody, the press, the public, everybody. Yeah, it's it's potentials there. It's got the base, right? Like it's yes. got the foundation. It just needs good direction. It needs also a budget because it's gotten to the point where it, you know all the symposium and everything else that they're putting together. I mean, it's all trying to make some money at the end of the day, right? Trying to bring people in, and I don't know how much they charge the general public. Uh, Michael said he was paid like two hundred bucks to talk at one of these things. I, I don't know how much that's, he charged. That's but- what I got. I got two hundred. I got two hundred plus my airfare and hotel. Oh, they paid for that. Yeah, that's not bad. No, no I, not I, bad. I was Jer- Jeremy Ray only got a hundred bucks per person that he talked to when he was doing the Bigelow files, <laughs> which was like the biggest investigation MUFON ever did. Mm-hmm. They paid for his gas, and he got a hundred bucks per person. Yeah, that was that. Oh, quiet. Masters is back. Yeah, ufology is not a lucrative business unless you're one of those people that uh, oh, claim yeah. to know what's going on or charge people for sightings. But right, besides that, uh, there's not much money. Give me 15 seconds here, guys. I want to say a big thank you to Louis Times Two, Deco and Jenny, Blue Cruise, Jeff, Derek Times Two, to Mothman and Cat Chaser for the amazing super chats. It very much helps what we do on a nightly basis here on Spaced Out Radio. Here comes the final half hour. We've rounded third. We're heading for home tonight on Space Down Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on TikTok at spaced out radio. Let us continue on tonight with the roundtable. We have a great panel that's gone the distance so far from the UFO report, Tim Senor. We have Dr. Michael Masters, Louis Borges, and Jason Gilmet from the UAP Studies uh, podcast. Great podcast that you should subscribe to for sure. And gentlemen, we're going to have some fun on this final half hour here, or final 20 minutes, whatever it is. You know, and I know it's going to be tough to keep brief, but out of everything that is in our world, the paranormal, supernatural, ufological world, what do you want to be true? What is number one on your list that you want to be true? And, Louis, I'm going to start with you on this one because we haven't started with you in a while here. You know, in Louis's world, is it time travel? Is it immortals? Is it, is it you know... The alien greys, you know, parking their ship in in your backyard. What is it, man? Well, for me, I've never actually had an alien experience. I did see a UAP that uh, I actually called my buddy from MUFON, Jason, and uh, 45 minutes we ran through it, and he eliminated all the variables as it was happening. So I do. That's been my little glimpse of the UAP phenomena, and I've had some real poltergeist stuff happen, so I do believe that to be true. So for me... 
I, I want to see like a floating city in the sky. I want to see one of those low flyers just for confirmation uh, or a being or something. You know, I, uh, I don't think I would get that rattled. Maybe people that have had negative experiences would be saying, you know, don't say that you're going to regret it sort of thing. But for me, I would like to have confirmation in the form of some kind of contact or something undeniable, even if it's just in my own mind, you know, they would make it all uh, all worthwhile. I can see that. I can see that. I, and, you know, for me, uh, I think that would be great. You know, being able to see one of them giant cities floating on by that we only see in CGI. That would be great. Dr. Michael Masters, let's go to you here. You know, you live in the wilderness of Montana, beautiful, beautiful area. I mean, your next door neighbor is a moose, which you've taken pictures of. I mean, oh, he's, he's here every day. He's my friend. He's my friend. Is he We've yet to name him, which is weird because he lives here. I see him literally every day. Bruce the Moose. <clears throat> Bruce, I like it. That's my wife's. That's my father-in-law's name. That's perfect. Strong yes. manly name. He man. shall henceforth be Bruce the Moose. No, for me, I think um, I'd like I'd like to circle back to where this conversation started. I would like to see humans in this time period acknowledge the existence of not whatever acronym we're talking about, but of the reality of this thing that's been here for so long. I would like to usher in that experience to this time from the past, from the future. I want it to culminate now, and and I think that would be awesome. All right, Tim Senor. Um, I'm just going to give you my brutally honest answer, which is also personal. So um, obviously I, I would love to uh, prove since I had a, I've already, I already know it's real. Right. So for me, I would love the portal to be explained and like the saucer experience to be explained. But most of all, I would love the consciousness aspect, not only explained, but like, for me personally, I would love it to stop. <laughs> like uh, it's, it's a frustrating aspect of sightings potentially. And so I would love answers to that and figure out a way for that aspect of it potentially to go away for humans that are suffering from an ongoing result from contact. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one. Jason, how about you? Do you know, I'd love to see an entity. I'd love to have uh, uh, an experience of, of telepathy or whatever it is that they do to us. More than a, a mutual thing, not, you know, they are above me type thing, but just like an interaction. Uh, I've seen a craft very up close and personal when I was a kid, so I know that the buggers are there, but I've never seen one of them, you know, like an entity. That would be awesome. And I don't think that's going to happen in my lifetime. But I think the more that humanity comes to grips with this, the more this information goes about, maybe there's a chance that my kids might be able to see one. For me, I think it would be I want it would be twofold. I want to see a landing again. When I had that landing and then the the extraterrestrial uh, sighting five days later, that was life changing for me. Because I was 40 years old, hard to believe it's, you know, it's going to be 10 years in in a short amount of period, like in 14 months, that this happened. 
And I would do anything to have that happen again, you know, because I think with my maturity on the subject now, I would walk up to that craft, man. I would walk up to that craft. I, I don't know if I would get like within 5, 10, 15 feet of it, but I sure as heck would get within an area where I could just frame it in my mind or take a picture of it this time and see that that beautiful blue that was on that cylinder again. And, you know, it, I'll be honest with you, it, it's selfish. It is completely selfish. And, you know, to walk into that forest again and see at 2 o'clock in that afternoon, seeing that 10 to 12-foot extraterrestrial standing there with Samantha Mowat, and when they called us over, not freezing, not being scared, and actually walk over to it and say hello. It, I mean, it would be the bravest thing that I've ever done. And Did you not, did you not do that I froze. when that happened? I froze. Yeah. Right. Whitley Strieber described something similar where he wanted them to come back, but then when he did, he was like, well, I have a wife, I have a small child, should I go with them? Because he thought it would be the end, like he would go with them, but they could have brought him back to that exact time. See, and I would do They it- could have brought you back too. You should have gone. Go next time. See, the problem is my education of UFOs back then was fire in the sky. And that's what was playing in my head, was fire in the sky. It wasn't polite aliens, you know, sh- coming over right. to me and shaking my hand. It was... That's a good point. It, yeah, it, it was, was your culture. But... You, you know, but, I mean... And they're not all the same, right? I mean, obviously. Are, or are are you assuming that everything that's coming here is the same? No. But there is a benevolence... And a politeness. I would like to reiterate what you just said, a politeness that exists. I would do I would love to have that happen. If I could replay that that portion of my life, you know, and have that happen again. Every day I wish for that craft to land in my backyard. Every day. Even with the three and a half feet of snow in my backyard right now, I would love for that craft to land because I would go running in bare feet in order to climb up on that railing just to just to have that experience again and you know it's emotional because i couldn't control what was happening at that time and yeah. and when you are seeing something that your brain cannot comprehend what your eyes are visually are visually processing it is gut-wrenching, man. I wasn't scared of it. I was scared of what was I was seeing and what was happening to me internally. You know, I wasn't yeah. scared of the craft. I wasn't scared of anything. But like I said, my education at that time was the Hollywood version of fire in the sky. What do I do? And many people have been put in that situation. And the reason why I kind of asked this question about what would you guys want because there is so much to this that is on an emotional level because people are emotional about this topic, Jason. They are uh, wondering, you know, it's not just about, hey, I'll have any experience, whether it's anal probing or whether it's, you know, dissection of an arm or whatever it may be. You know, this, this is real emotion that people in this field who, who are passionate about it have. 
Yeah, and a lot of experiencers end up with medical conditions. So keep that in mind, that whether or not they are abductees or people that have been close to crafts, uh, there's been medical uh, condition, like you were talking about the, uh, you know, citing again, uh, you know, on the, the Congress uh, papers that they released uh, saying there's no physical effect from these UAPs to humans. Well, that is a load of, you know what, yeah. because it's... Uh, there's plenty of eff- of effects. We have one here that happened, uh, you know, Falcon Lake when the gentleman approached one of these crafts and got burnt like really good. We even have it on a coin now, official coin in Canada that this actually took place. Um, there's been plenty of, of diseases and uh, what's the, the weird one, Louis? I ask you all the time, but like uh, hero something. Oh, disease. Hashimoto's. Hashimoto disease. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just the randomest diseases you can think of. So some of these people, um, you know, it's emotional because it's also physical. It's not just that they've had this one occurrence. It's that they're reminded of this occurrence every day as they're dealing with this strange, you know, ailments that have come on because of these experiences. So, yeah, even, you know, some of the people that we've talked to that have been, you know, in the U.S., uh, military that they served, uh, they're all emotional. Even they were on battleships and they, they witnessed something. Uh, they're all emotional about it. Uh, you could tell that something moved them. And we were talking about disclosure earlier. I think that comes from the men and women in the service that are brave enough to step forward and tell the public that they're not crazy, that they're experiencing things as well. We had people on that were part of the Defense Department, and they've admitted that they woke up in the middle of the night with three little dudes in the middle of their room. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, if they're experiencing it, that's, that's everybody's experiencing it. That's real. Yeah, that's it's real. Good. And every maybe people in Hollywood, they're even coming forward now and you're starting to hear more about them. It's, uh, it's an emotional thing. And I think that's a lot of reason why, you know, Tim was mentioning earlier that nobody talks about because it's, it's emotional. It's, it's a, it's a fragile topic. It, somebody laughs in your face and says that what you're going through is, is crazy. It can't be it's preposterous. It can't Meanwhile, it's the most amazing and complicated experience of your entire life. Yeah. Yeah, it is hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and with that emotion that people have, you know, for them, it, it, it's life altering. I mean, there are people mm-hmm. who have lost jobs over this. I know, including myself, the, you lose friends, you lose family, because it sends you down a, a an Alice in Wonderland type of, of rabbit hole that you can't escape. It becomes all-encompassing and, and all-consuming for a lot of people, myself included. I mean, it's different than just staring up at the sky and seeing a couple of dots that may make a 90 degree turn right in front of yeah. you, you know, at, at 300,000 feet or whatever it may be. That's different, you know, but when you have that, that emotional attachment to an experience, I mean, that can, that can mess with you, Dr. Masters. Yeah. And especially when like telepathy is involved and, you know, things that you don't expect to experience in your own life. It's one thing to see a, a light in the sky, but it's another thing to have a human take over your brain. Like, people experience that all the time. I I think that's something we should very much pay attention to. What's your thoughts, Louis? Ah. Uh, 
it's it's hard to say. I'm sorry. I was just engrossed in Michael Masters talking. <laughs> I kind of doze off, and it's just like, yeah. And, yeah my no, voice again, makes my family doze off too. They're always like, "What?" And it's uh, almost midnight. I was talking to you. Come I got on, a young baby. But no, it's <laughs> I, I haven't had an experience with entities, but we've talked to people who have, and they have the conviction of, "I don't really care if you believe me or not." They don't say that. But they're just telling you for what it's worth. I don't ever feel like people have tried to embellish. I do think sometimes people's memories may not be 100% accurate. And I think if you have a car accident with witnesses, they're all going to tell a different story and it just happened. So people that recount things for 40 years, it's difficult, right? Um, But I I do believe by their conviction and the tone of how they say it, what they say it, uh, the stories don't really change for a lot of these people. I believe them. And uh, yeah, so I'm one of those guys that's in favor of, you know, bringing more light on the topic of those people and reducing that stigma, although it's been around forever and it's going to be a long time before it goes away completely. Tim, let's get your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, somebody goes through a massive paradigm shifting change, you know, an eye opening event like that, no matter what level it is there, there's something that happens psychologically with that, right? And that's not easy. It's not an easy thing. And especially if it's up close and personal, because I know for my family's example, um, it was just um, a series of events that took place in the sky far away from us. But there was a lingering psychological connection, if you will. And definitely um, the event led to us wanting to know more. And do you feel like you're missing time though? Because it kind of sounds like it was nine of that. Nine of us mesmerized for almost two minutes staring yeah. into a light in the sky. But what two minutes in your time or their well, time? I was photographing. So I have photographs of the whole thing beginning to end. Um, and I had to consciously remind myself to lift my camera to, to photograph. Like it was, it was almost a struggle. And the photographs were like 15 seconds apart, even though I felt like it was like. You know, so there was a weird time elation or dilation, whatever you want to call it. Both I don't work. know. But I mean, I don't feel like we went anywhere. But my point is that the psychological effect, I, here I am talking about this. I never had said UFO in a serious conversation with anyone, n- nor my family. They're all PhDs and educators and pilots and in college and then my little ones like that range of people like the whole family it was the perfect series of people to see this but my point is that everyone interpreted it similarly but differently like but it lingered it lingered like they still like they'll give you every detail of it and you talk about it though you talk about it with each other because a lot of a lot of families don't when they see stuff like that they won't talk about it yeah it's not easy I mean, I have to force it, but, um, you know, it's one of those things that made a whole bunch of questions happen. And the funny thing is now it's in the headlines. So we're able to talk about it in a new light. Right. And so the funny thing is, is now my 86 year old mother's telling me what's going on in the headlines. I'm like, man, times have changed. (laughs) Oh, very much so. That's fantastic. Very much so. So, You know, but once again, you know, getting back to what we said earlier on in the show. So we got about three minutes to go. You know, we're losing that stigma. We want to talk about this. People, whether we like it or not, I mean, or whether the public likes it or not, people like telling their spooky stories. Whether it's a haunted house or a haunted place of business or, or they had something weird crawling around. 
their tent that they didn't recognize while out camping in the wilderness, you know, or they or they're seeing lights in the sky or fairies flying around their gardens. I mean, people love telling those stories the minute they know that you're into it. You you want to, you know, like like you at work uh, during your daytime job, Jason, where, where you've had a couple people have run-ins. I had one in my daytime job recently, a couple months ago, where these people bought a resort, and they opened the resort. And between June and July last year, they had six clients talk about having Sasquatch encounters on their property. So they've asked me to bring down some some people down to Lumbee in British Columbia, which is just southeast of, of Kelowna, to come down there to investigate to see whether or not there is Sasquatch activity. And if there is, they want to be able to sell that. They want to market it, which I think is fantastic. Come for a, Come for a weekend, you might get a Sasquatch encounter. Right? I mean, people are starting to love this subject, right? They really are. Well, how is that different than what you were calling out people for marketing the other thing, though? Marketing what? That's hypocrisy, man. That's hypocrisy. Hold on a second. Marketing what? What? The UFO stuff, the data. You were just calling them out, the Enigma Labs or whatever it was. No, I called them out for being secretive. So if they say we want to sell data to everybody the same way this company does, then that's cool. Well, I mean, you we're not hiding anything. That's the difference. Transparency. There's transparency. transparency. Thank important. you, Tim. Thank you for the transparency word. Transparency there. Man, I love you, Dave, but I don't know. I feel like there's a... a Sticky wicket there somewhere, man. I think that's great. I think Call him out, please. I think, I think you need to go out. hug your moose. <laughs> I'm sending these t-shirts back, man. Yeah. Bruce, the moose. They should do like the, um, you know, when they do whale watching, if you don't see any whales, they give you back your money or they give you a voucher for you to come back and see the whales. They should do that for the Sasquatch as well, right? The guarantee. They should, yes. sighting, right? Yeah. That's Absolutely. a Stephen Greer thing, isn't it? You get a... a- Rain check if you don't get to see a seat. Yeah, exactly. You get to come back. Yeah. I'd like to give a shout out to Dave, actually, because this whole time he has been like, you know what? Maybe not. And (laughs) what other podcaster does that? Where he's like, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Let's explore this. And I I fucking love you, Dave. I do. I love you. (laughs) Well, you. You make, job job yeah. you make my job easy. You make my job easy. He's good people. He's willing to self-check until he's selling Sasquatch stuff. And then he's like, <laughs> I'm in there. I'm in there. Gentlemen, it is time for me to wrap up this phase of the, what do we call this? The SOR roundtable that we do near the end of each month here on Spaced Out Radio. Uh, Tim Cedar from the UFO Report. Dr. Michael Masters. And, of course, Louis Borges and Jason Gilmatt from the UAP Studies Podcast. You guys put on one hell of a show tonight. You really did, and I really appreciate everything you did and coming in here with your knowledge and everything made my show We very, appreciate very you. You're the bomb. Thanks, guys. Thank we you. appreciate you guys, too. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. 
Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAB, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. With weather starting to warm up, it's time to update your outdoor space with Lowe's. Right now, start prepping with lawn essentials like fertilizer. Get Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed Fertilizer starting at just $32.48. And tackle outdoor cleaning with powerful electric pressure washers starting at just $99. Visit us in-store or online to get a head start on your spring projects today. Lowe's knows home improvement. Valid 223-38 while supplies last. Selection varies by location. With weather starting to warm up, it's time to update your outdoor space with Lowe's. Right now, start prepping with lawn essentials like fertilizer. Get Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed Fertilizer starting at just $32.48. And tackle outdoor cleaning with powerful electric pressure washers starting at just $99. Visit us in-store or online to get a head start on your spring projects today. Lowe's knows home improvement. Valid 223-38 while supplies last. Selection varies by location.